Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's back in spring 2022. I'm 22 years old. I'm in my apartment and I'm locked away in my bedroom. I'm on my computer watching something that I should not be watching. I feel Dirty, disgusting, I feel like a degenerate. I'm watching self-improvement videos. But worse than that, I'm procrastinating from something important that I should be doing right now. But I'm wasting time watching video after video after video. I'm watching videos on how to quit procrastinating and I'm literally procrastinating whilst watching them. I procrastinated for so long that the time goes 11 a.m., 12 o'clock, 1 p.m., it's literally time for the next meal of the day. So I go to the kitchen and I'm eating something, gotta get my protein in and go back to procrastinating instead of doing the important task that I'm supposed to be doing. Eventually it gets so late that I'm actually starting to feel aggressive and anxious. So I get up from my computer, I go into the other room where my girlfriend's sleeping and I grab my shirts, my pants, and my shoes. 15 minutes later, I'm red-faced, I'm sweating and I'm panting. I'm doing squats in the gym. And I'm thinking to myself, why did I procrastinate this all day? I should have hit this workout at like 9 a.m., but here I am, hours and hours later. And so I'm gonna make this the best workout possible. Squats, leg press, sprints, pushing super, super hard. In the end, it ends up being a mediocre workout at best. But that's when I realized that I've never regretted being disciplined, that it's always paid off to do the hard work, especially when I didn't feel like it. My name is Hamza, and I've made this full guide on discipline that's taken me a lot of time. And I wanna take you from being more of like a normal average person who isn't very disciplined, who misses a lot of workouts, who doesn't do their studying or their work on time. And sometimes you do get bursts of motivation to go to the gym or to do work, but it's so infrequent that 
it starts to sacrifice your life and your goals. And so I want to make that way more consistent for you. I've spent the last one and a half weeks putting together this full guide. It's taken me over 40 hours. I've read an entire book. I've read Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday, which is a really good book. And I've put it all together in one guide. So this is the one full guide that you need to be more disciplined. You can put your trust in this one guide. If you follow one rule, you watch it in order. I've racked my brain to think, okay, what are the specific steps in order that you would need to know? So it's very important that you don't click around and jump around. I'm not saying that you need to watch this entire video to bump up the YouTube algorithm or anything. It's just, if you're going to spend 10 minutes today, 20 minutes tomorrow watching this video, just simply watch it in order. And I promise you that by the end of this video, if you put in the work and you followed the actionable steps that I've laid out for you, you will become a disciplined young man. Here is your first actionable step of this guide. If you just close your eyes and visualize how you were like one year ago, you'll realize that maybe you're a bit more disciplined and consistent than you realize. Because if you picture younger you, who was far more awkward and he was, you know, he liked working out less and he struggled with work and with studying a lot more than you do now. And you can just see him just awkward as fuck, like, you know, fixing his shirt or something for no reason in a social setting. You can open your eyes. You've made more progress than you realize. Naturally, when you get onto self-improvement and the fact that you found this video, chances are you're already on a fantastic trajectory to improve your life, which is awesome. Now what we just need to do is give you a real protocol, a step-by-step -step guide to take that to the next level. Step zero, understanding discipline. Before we begin in making you more disciplined, we have to actually understand it. And I guarantee you don't even know what discipline actually is because a lot of people think discipline is going to the gym. A lot of people think discipline is doing hard work. It's not. Discipline is not doing something that's hard. It's doing something that you specifically didn't feel like doing. So we need to explain three concepts which you're gonna find really interesting because there's motivation, there's discipline, and there's willpower. You need to know the difference between these three, and most people don't even know this. Motivation is desire. It is craving. It is when you want to do something. Discipline is persisting. It's doing something that you aren't motivated for. It's doing the hard work, especially when you didn't feel like it. And willpower is resisting. It's not doing something even when you feel like it. So, I'm motivated for the gym means I want to go to the gym. I use discipline to go to the gym means I didn't feel like going to the gym, but I went anyway. And I used my willpower not to eat the junk food meant that I was motivated to eat the junk food. I wanted to, but I specifically didn't, even though I felt like it. Because motivation is fickle, it can come and go, but discipline is here to stay because it's a character trait that we can build inside of us. In fact, I think discipline is so important that I end every single one of my videos with a catchphrase, do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. That phrase, do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it, perfectly encapsulates discipline. It's only discipline if you didn't feel like it. And this is why as a man, it's so easy to win. 99% of men are just chasing instant gratification because it's so easy to fall down. They want the fast results in their business so they're not willing to wait or to sacrifice or to settle for something for the long term. They want to watch porn right now because they feel a sense of loneliness or, you know, a sense of being deprived of intimacy, which they won't go and solve long term through improving themselves and learning how to navigate a relationship with a woman. So they'll just go and get that online right now. They want a sense of status and brotherhood, but they'll get that in video games right now because it's instant. 
So 99% of men are doing that. If you can become the 1% of man, and this isn't even me saying that you need to become so like, you know, amazing or anything, literally just do the fundamentals of like not doing the ultimate degenerate habits. And you're already in the top few percentile of men and getting into the top 1% of men will not come from any kind of monumental act. If you're starting to feel proper motivated right now, you've started to visualize like this proper hard grunting workout and you're going to, you know, like make this fancy business. It's not, it's not about that. Beating your competition isn't about some big act that you've done. It's just about showing up every day and literally just setting the intention to try and do it a little bit better. It's the guy who like stayed on the basketball court for an extra five minutes when everyone else went home. He's the one who becomes like the world champion afterwards. There's two books which are very similar, which I recommend you to read. There is The Compound Effect and The Slight Edge. These two books are really good. They talk about using discipline to change something quite small and insignificant, you know, like a small decision, like a 1% better decision, which then makes a huge difference over a few years. I bet you'll agree with this. It's also harder to be lazy than it is disciplined. Yes, it's harder to be lazy than it is to be disciplined. To be disciplined means that we have to go hit a workout today. It means that we have to, we can't watch porn today. Oh, wow. You know, it's kind of difficult, fair enough. But to be lazy, to be undisciplined is harder because that means that then you have to deal with the... You have to deal with the demons in your mind every single day, knowing that you're not living to your potential, dealing with the negative thoughts, going to sleep and you're overthinking. You randomly get a memory of some weird, awkward thing that you did six years ago. You feel like crap. Everyone treats you with disrespect because you don't deserve the respect. Genuinely imagine the kind of lives that the other people live where they don't even consider something like improving their discipline. And so they just go to one easy source of dopamine to the next, to the next, to the next. They're sacrificing their future self's happiness for today's pleasure. And then they're wondering three months, six months, 12 months down the line, why they're fat and depressed. It's because they did it. It's because we did this at some points. I'm glad that we're on this pathway where we've stopped sacrificing ourselves and instead, we're making life better for our future self. Discipline is a treat for your future self. Discipline is the ultimate act of self-love because you're saying, you know what? Here is like some modern technology, porn, video games. It's been made by a company who don't give a fuck about me. If I killed myself today, this porn company wouldn't give a fuck. They'd only care because, you know, one users went inactive. They've ruined my life. They gave me depression. I've got fucking ED, so my dick doesn't even get hard. How is this nice for me? But if I quit watching porn today, my future self is going to be recovering slowly and slowly and slowly. Three days in and he feels, you know, he's got a bit more lust, a bit more male aggression inside of him. Testosterone levels are rising two months without porn and you start to feel very healthy towards women and you can actually speak to them a year without porn and you stop getting those flashes of like dirty thoughts of, of dirty like images and videos that you remember the ultimate act of self-love is discipline in the long run, it's much more painful to be undisciplined. And there's a quote that I like nobody who has given themselves over to excess is having a good time. Here is an actionable step I want you to do, and it's kind of mean. I want you to go onto YouTube right now, maybe open up a new tab, and I want you to search for this name. Nick Okado, N-I-K-O-C-A-D-O. Nick Okado, go find his YouTube channel. 
He is a morbidly obese man who made a YouTube channel of him eating a lot of food and it gets a lot of views and he's become like obese, obese. This man deserves to die early. Now, I know that a lot of people watching this will just wait, get panicked and think, wait, 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 he said something that's really bad. I've, we've been told never to speak like that. This is this isn't my opinion. This isn't like my viewpoint. I don't want him to die, but he deserves to. He deserves to feel this obliterating pain in his heart until he ceases to exist, this chokedness in his throat. He deserves to feel it. I know this sounds horrible, but there's something that you must understand right here, right now, if you want to live a good life. You deserve the consequences of your actions. This is worth for you to really meditate on, to write down right now, to stick it up on your wall, to write it and set it as your phone wallpaper. I deserve the consequences of my actions. So why don't you just make it so that you deserve what you want? Some people deserve to be obese, sick and close to death. Whilst others deserve to have a six pack, to have high testosterone, to have a wonderful relationship. Others deserve to make a lot of money. Others deserve, deserve to be depressed and suicidal. Because it all comes down to the acts that we're willing to partake in. And so if you're willing to, for example, like this young man is, eat and eat and eat and eat, you deserve the consequences of that. Now, of course, some shallow breather might be watching this and think, oh, but well, well, so do you deserve to be hit by a bus? Barring extreme circumstances, let's use our brains here. Extreme circumstances, extreme accidents are different. If you're literally, you've done everything right, you're just walking on the pathway and a car, you know, there's a freak accident and like a brick gets thrown up into the air or a car swerves into you even though you were on the pathway. That's a bit different. Likewise, if you're just like, you know, just minding your own business in a shop and someone just hits you out of nowhere, that's different. But if you're overeating your calories every single day, you deserve to be fat. And if you deserve to be fat, then you deserve to be sick. And if you deserve to be sick, then you deserve to have a higher risk of mortality. This is the consequences of a lack of discipline. And so I think for you, it is very worthwhile for you to just take a few seconds right now and think about what you want to deserve, not what you want. Remember, nobody gives a fuck what you want, but what you want to deserve. I want to deserve a six pack. How could I deserve a six pack? I'll train abs three or five times a week and I'll go on a calorie deficit and I'll do cardio. I want to deserve a good, healthy relationship with a beautiful woman. How would I deserve that? First of all, I'll deal with some kind of problems that I've got internally. I'll learn how to actually speak to people and effectively communicate. I'll learn how to actually be a, first of all, a good partner. I'll learn what that kind of woman, this high quality woman would be attracted in, in a guy. I'll develop those things myself and then I'll also try and put my best front when it comes to dating. I'll stop watching degenerate red pill content and I'll start embracing more faith and spirituality. And then when I do meet the woman, I'll treat her right, very, very kindly, very lovingly. And I'll make it so that she is super happy with me. Doesn't sound so cool now, does it? Almost sounds like a bit stupid and autistic, but this is what you want out of life. This is how you get it. Just make it so that you deserve that thing. Take a second right now as an actionable step to just think of what you want to deserve in life and your brain will already start to work on, okay, well, here's how we do it. What I will say is that the greatest reward of being disciplined is not the physique or the money or the girl in your arms but it is the man that you become. I feel good being me.
And I know that there's quite a lot of guys watching this who it won't really click in their mind. So I just want to kind of explain this. Just, just imagine this, like imagine genuinely waking up every day and being happy that you are you. Because for a long time in my life, I couldn't have said this. I wanted to be that other guy. I wanted to be that guy with the real world results. I wanted to be the guy with the six pack. I wanted to be the guy who, you know, had the likes on Instagram. I would not change myself for anyone. It's like your own internal perception. You start to like yourself. You start to respect yourself. My brain is producing more and more positive thoughts about myself than ever. Think about that. My own mind is actually starting automatically to like say nice things about me through the day. You know, when your brain wonders when you're trying to read and it thinks about something else or it thinks about memories and stuff, my brain mostly now is going to positive stuff. Certainly in, in a student light. So, you know, it's not like I'm just egotistical thinking that I'm amazing, but it's more that I'm, I've got like a sense of bliss thinking like, yeah, well done. Yeah, awesome progress. I've been working super hard. I'm not thinking, yeah, I'm better than everyone else. And you know, like, oh, I'm so amazing. I don't need to learn anymore. It's the exact opposite. I really do think, okay, I, I want to learn more. What can I learn? How can I improve? So I've still got a student mindset, but it's just very positive and pleasant. I think that's the best reward of discipline so far. Step one, ego. Before we can really begin to get super disciplined, we need to destroy your ego because there's a reason why you're not going to make any progress watching this. There's a reason why you're going to stay in the same position. I hope you don't, but there is going to be a huge reason and it's purely ego. It's ego because you think you're too good for what it will take to improve your discipline. I guarantee you do. You're thinking right now, oh no, no, you like, you know, it's been made apparent in your mind right now. I guarantee when I tell you the real way to increase your discipline, you're going to think it's beneath you. And when you think that you won't make any progress, you need to have an absolute, like, you remember the, the gaming term, like noob, you need to have like a noobs mindset to discipline because most guys don't do this. The real way to be disciplined is not like David Goggins. It's not doing this big, ridiculous run. You know, he's, he's, decades into this, so that's different, but it's not like doing this big, ridiculous run or this eight hour workout, you know, the super long workout with loads of sets. It's not like doing all these weird things. It's none of that. The real way to be disciplined is finding the easiest good habit that you consistently aren't doing and start doing that. It's so uncool. It's so boring, but discipline is not that massive workout. It's cleaning up the mess on the floor. It's like the cloth, you know, like the one piece of clothing that you've had on the floor for like the last fucking 48 hours. It's picking that up and putting it somewhere. Discipline is taking those water bottles down, like not even drinking the plastic water bottles anyway, but like let's say, you know, you've got water bottles in your room. This thing's out of place here. Discipline is literally just fixing that stuff up. You know that there's that cringe piece of advice, like, oh, make your bed. You know, discipline's making your bed and the first route to success or to changing the world is to make your bed. You know why every single military in every single country places an emphasis on things like making your bed. Why? Really just ask yourself this question. Why? Because that's the real discipline. The real discipline is not charging into war and being super heroic. It's making your bed when you didn't want to. It's these thousand acts of mini discipline that other people will ignore saying that, oh yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. It's not that it doesn't matter. It's that your ego is bigger than this task at hand. Your ego is stopping you to improve. If you think that something doesn't matter, if you think that, oh, it's not going to make a difference, so I'll just cut the corner there. That's because of ego. Not that it's the objective truth of the world that whether or not making your bed makes you more disciplined. That is your big fat ego that's stopping you from making progress. You need to start challenging your own brain. You know, people talk about critical thinking. They talk about not just taking like one piece of advice at once. 
Your own brain convinced you to watch porn over a thousand times in your life. So your own brain probably shouldn't be automatically trusted, right? Think about this. When was the last time your own mind convinced you to watch porn? You know with 100% objective universal fact that porn is a bad thing, your own brain convinced you to do it. You're not as smart as you think you are, right? So when your brain is telling you, oh yeah, this video is kind of stupid. He's telling me to make my bed. He's telling me to pick up like another you know, clothes from the floor. That's not going to do anything. You know, I'll go watch another David Goggins or Andrew Tate motivational workout. Maybe don't listen to your brain and maybe start with the thing that will actually work. Look in your rubbish bin, probably full right now. Empty water bottles around, shit all over the floor. Bed sheets not made. This is the daily act of discipline. So this is exactly what you do to destroy your ego and to begin leveling up your discipline. Pick one or two of these things that you have proven to yourself that you usually don't do. This is the important part. The small task that I'm telling you to do consistently has to be one that you have proven to yourself you usually don't do because you don't like to do it. So discipline is not, oh yeah, yeah I'm going to wake up and do 50 push-ups because you'll be motivated for that. So it's not discipline. Discipline is looking around your room right now and thinking to yourself, you know what? I've always got clothes on the floor. So clearly I'm not disciplined enough to clean that up. That's going to be my new discipline like activity. Specifically, when you start to do that activity, you need to know that every single time you do it, you're not going to want to do it. It's going to feel annoying. There's going to be some kind of like BS cope in your mind, whether it says, oh, well, you know, I'll do it later. Or I don't need to do this anyway. You know, discipline stupid anyway. Or this isn't even discipline. There's going to be some kind of cope, right? Because that's the whole point. You're not motivated to do it. So you need to almost be vigilant for your brain to start coping and to start creating these excuses. It's these small, insignificant things that are the training ground for your discipline. You know, in a video game, you start off with like the small monsters. A lot of us in real life, we start off and it's like we want to kill the dragon right now, but we can't. Because to get up to the dragon in a video game, what do you have to do? You have to kill like 10,000 cows, right? You have to go kill the cows, then you level up to the little goblins, then you level up to the zombies, then the security guards, then you level up to like the little demon, then the big demon, then you level up to like the hellhound. You have to start off by killing the level two cows. This right here, when you look around you, this is like the training ground, like the place that we get XP in the skill of discipline. You can never think that you're above these things. You can never think that. You can never think that you'll reserve your discipline for the big dragon when you're like level seven right now and you need to still keep working on these small things. It's very important that you destroy your ego and you really start to say to yourself, you know what? I'm actually not that great. I'm not that advanced right now. I'm not past the point where something like cleaning up my room wouldn't help me. I'm not past the point where something like doing a tiny bit of exercise wouldn't help me because a lot of people in this stage, they get stuck because of ego. Here is your actionable step for this part of the guide. Pick one daily habit that you can do, one task that you usually don't do that would require discipline. So it might be, for example, wiping your computer desk every day. And every day, it probably wouldn't need that, right? After you like wipe it down today, you probably wouldn't really need it tomorrow, but just do it anyway, just to get into the habit of it. Or it could be, for example, making your bed every day. That's a nice one. Make your bed kind of nicely. Or it could be, for example, making sure that you don't have rubbish in your room, you know, taking down the rubbish bin every single day. It's very important that you just start with something small 
start with just one habit and then you can make it into like a habit tracker like I've just got here. Like, you know, just write the days of the month and then just have that as the habit and then you just tick it off when you're done. Step two, leveling up. Now we want to level this up so that you actually start to accomplish bigger goals because, you know, just cleaning up the, your room is kind of nice, but we really want to like build something, right? So let's talk about some big goals and how you'd actually level up your discipline. For example, let's say building an aesthetic body, like a 10 out of 10 physique from the gym. The way to use discipline for this is to figure out the exact constraints, the micro task, the current area of weakness, a specific task that you're lacking in. So for example, with building a nice physique in the gym, a lot of guys think it's like it's working out and dieting and then they're trying to like discipline themselves in those two areas, working out and dieting, working out and dieting. Sure, when you first begin, discipline is like going to the gym because you might not want to go to the gym. But after a while, you start liking the gym, you start being motivated for it. So it's like you're not using discipline to go to the gym anymore. This is like a, a very interesting point. A lot of guys who go to the gym think that they're disciplined, but they're not because they're motivated for it. You take that same guy and put him in front of a computer and tell him to do 90 minutes of deep work and he can't. So it's not about that, you know, you're disciplined if you go to the gym. If you're motivated for the gym, then it's not discipline. It's not even like, it's it's still difficult, but it doesn't require discipline because you felt like going. So let's say right now you've been going to the gym consistently. You've been making some progress, right? You're probably kind of motivated for it right now, which means that your discipline is kind of saved for something else. Most guys will just stop here and wonder why they're making less gains as time goes on. You know, you make like the noob gains and then you just kind of plateau after that. Most guys wonder why. It's because you're not utilizing discipline in the next level, the next step. So you're consistently going to hit the workout, but there's somewhere in the realm of fitness that currently requires your discipline, which you're not very conscious of. And it's a very specific task. That task could be as something as specific as making sure your kitchen scale has always got chargeable batteries inside of it, you know, batteries that are charged so it turns on. Because sometimes you might find that when the battery dies, you don't end up tracking your stuff for like weeks at a time. Or it could be, for example, making sure that you fill up your water bottles at nighttime and keep them next to your bed so that the exact moment that you wake up, you can start to drink a lot of water and hydrate before you work out in the day. It's like these new specific habits require your discipline right now compared to the big thing that used to like going to the gym. So you do see this is the way to level up. At first, we use discipline for some of the core activities like, you know, just eating protein or going to the gym. But soon those activities kind of feel like a little bit automated, like they become habits and they don't really require much discipline anymore. Most people will just stop here. Yeah. What you need to do is figure out, okay, what's the next thing that I could discipline myself on that will still get me some results. And this is how like the, the concept of, you know, there's, there's less to gain the more progress you've made. At first, to make progress, you just go to the gym. But then after that, you've got to start tracking your macros. After that, you've got to start tracking your micros. After that, you've got to like perfect your sleep. You know, there's less and less and less things for you to improve on, which is the nature of becoming an expert or a master in your craft. For example, another micro task could be going straight to the yoga mats after you finish your workout, grabbing one of the mats, setting it down, and just stretching for like two minutes. Over the grand scheme of things, that would help you in your goal of building this 10 out of 10 physique because you'll be way more like flexible and you'll be able to get a better range of motion in the lifts, right? So it's like, that's a very specific micro task. That That is the thing that would need discipline. The exact moment when you finish a workout, but you stay, even though you don't want to, even though you don't feel like it, you stay to stretch for a couple of minutes. That's where you need discipline right now. It's these small micro tasks, these little pockets of potential that you're leaving on the table because you're only focusing on the basics. These things seem insignificant right now, don't they? 
But it is these micro tasks that will make the difference between you being a winner or a loser five years from now. Use your discipline for a new micro task for every goal that you have. And in some time, that micro task will become a habit too. So for example, right now, it would require discipline for you to stretch after you work out. So like when you finish a workout, you don't feel motivated to stretch. You're, you know, you're making all these excuses, but then you say to yourself, no, 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 I know that discipline means that I'm gonna have all these excuses. I'm just gonna like turn my brain off and just go and stretch for a few minutes. After maybe a couple of weeks, this will become a habit and you might even start to enjoy it. So you might finish the workout and just be used to going to stretch. At that point, you're no longer using discipline. So it's time to find the next micro task after that to continuously keep making progress in this goal. Here is your actionable step for this part of the guide. Figure out a specific micro task that needs discipline that would get you some kind of progress in a goal of yours and add it up to your habit tracker. And if I was you, get the habit tracker and stick it up on the wall. This isn't just for the video, by the way, this has literally been on my wall for like, for um, for about a week now. And I, if you know me for a while from my videos, I always, shall I just show you quickly? I always have stuff over my wall. So obviously I've got like the YouTube plaques there, but a lot of the papers you can see like those ones, they've got like habit trackers, they've got goals and everything like that. I really think that's an extra step that you can take. Just have a habit tracker. If you make one right now, stick it up, add in the daily little discipline that we had from the last time, you know, maybe clean up your room and then also add some goal specific ones. So let's say you've got three goals. For fitness, the specific task could be, okay, stretch for one minute at the end of the workout. For your work, it could be to read three pages of a book every single day. Or it could be, for example, to meditate or something. And then let's say for relationships, it could be to just hug your mum first thing in the morning as soon as you see her. Easy things, right? They're not actually that difficult. They're easy things, but there might be things that you don't consistently do right now because you don't really feel like it. So please remember this. The next time you're about to do one of these tasks, you will genuinely not want to. You will probably not be motivated. Your brain will probably start coping and saying, I don't have time. I'll do this. It's a bit awkward. You know, it'll start to cope. Just remind yourself that is the sign that you are using discipline. It's specifically when your brain is trying to convince you against it, which is awesome because now you're training like against that weak part of your mind that wants you to be complacent and mediocre and weak. We're destroying it with our own intentional effort. The next time that you finish up a workout, walk blindly, like automatically to the yoga mats, get one and literally just like do a cope stretch is what I call it. Like literally just like, you know, just grab your knee, you do a little stretch for like 30 seconds. Cause the idea is you're not trying to be like some professional flexible person right now. You're starting with this almost like a child would. And the idea is if you did this, you know, three times a week, five times a week, seven times a week right now for the next year, five years, bro, in five years time, you're going to be like the most flexible person. You'll be able to do all like the weird shit, you know, and like, that would genuinely help you. You would genuinely unlock your body and be able to like just work and move so much better. And the same with, for example, 30 seconds of meditation today. You don't feel like it. it's kind of boring and you know, it drags on a little bit, but you start with 30 seconds or a minute today and you keep doing it, even though you don't feel like doing it for an entire year. And by the end of the year, you're probably used to doing 10 minutes every single day, which is perfect. 10 years from now, you're meditating 20 minutes a day, 30, 40, a one hour every single day, which is insane when you compare that to like normal people. This is how you get ahead in life. It is always these small micro pockets. This is how you end up having like a relationship with your parents so much better than everyone else our age. You know, everyone's so individual and so like, um, 
so against family, like no, almost no one's family orientated these days. When you're the guy who simply all you do is discipline yourself to just hug your parents every single time you see, like you know, every morning when you see your parents, if you live with them, I, I always hug my mother. Like it's not hard to do. It's just that often you don't really feel like it. You know, your brain tries to convince you that it's awkward or something. It's a 10 out of 10 habit for me now. It doesn't require discipline. I just do it kind of blindly. And I saw like literally just saw the smile because it's morning time right now. I just saw the smile on my mom's face as always every time I hug her in the morning. I'm just used to it. If you've already got some kind of value from this video and you think that it's really helping you, please just do me a little favor. Do the YouTube algorithm stuff. I hate saying this, but it really does work. So like, you know, the like and the comments and spam the comments and share the link to some friends. If you know that there's some people who would benefit from more discipline in their lives, maybe you know some guys who are on self-improvement or some guys who should be on self-improvement if you send this link to a couple of people that would be huge for me and my goal with th these guides that i'm spending a lot of time on is that even years from now you keep mentioning it to people that would be like the greatest gift you could ever give me is that you just casually just say it to someone like oh yeah yeah you should watch hamza's full discipline guide that would genuinely bring like the biggest smile on my face because if you're spreading word of mouth to other people that means that i've really produced something which has contributed to humanity which is awesome chapter three Discipline in work and studies. Back in June 2023, I'm about to send my dad a message. He's driving right now, but he's got someone in the back seat, someone who he doesn't want there. He's got a woman in the back seat, and he has to be polite to her. He's a taxi driver, and he has to be polite because that's his passenger. I'm sending him a message telling him, of the recent success that I've had in business. I'm sending him a screenshot of the like cart notifications that I've been getting and how much money I've been making. A hundred thousand pounds per month. I tell him that I'm on track for my goal of three million this year and that he doesn't need to drive the taxi anymore. I'm getting flashes of the last few years that I've dedicated my life to this goal of this business, this online income. And this was a big moment for me. And I'm thinking how awesome it's going to be. He's going to come home and together we'll take off like the, the taxi stickers that are on the car and I can record it and I'll get a lot of views. But unfortunately, that's not what happens. Because my father doesn't come home as expected. He does come home. But as I see the car pull up into the driveway, the taxi stickers are already gone. I was waiting there ready to record the moment that we're going to be taking them off. And I asked him, wait, you already took them off? It turns out that the moment that I sent my dad the text message or the moment that he saw it, he didn't even wait to come home to get rid of all of like the signs that made it clear that he was a taxi driver. He pulled up at the side of the road and did it there. And it hits me that for the last 20 years, my parents have dedicated their lives to raising me and my siblings. And my dad has worked these low status jobs. My dad has sacrificed status as a man status to just provide for the family. And he was pained by that. He was agitated by it, but he just did it just for the sake of family. 
My dad had a much better job in Pakistan. He had more of a leadership position, more of a manager inside of a um, like a big uh, paper mill engineering position. And here in the UK, he's he told me from his words, he's worked more as a laborer. Now, 20 years later, I'm 26 years old and I've finally been able to pay it back. There are many people out there your age who are making an unbelievable amount of money. And one of the first things that the smartest people in this group do, they retire their family. They pay their parents back for the the effort and sacrifice that they've made. And it's such a beautiful experience. It's, It's To be a son who retires his father is a beautiful experience. I think it's like every son's duty. And it's going to require discipline. Because when you look into any of these genuinely successful young people, the young people who are literal millionaires, there is absolutely one trait that they have in common. They did hard work even when they did not feel like it. But on the other hand, the young men who lack discipline, they're hit with three major pain points. One, they live a life where they're not living up to their potential. They're always unfulfilled. Two, they're experiencing the realities of being a poor performer, which means shitty jobs, not much money in their business, poor grades. And maybe worst of all, three, the people in their lives are let down. Or maybe the people in their lives are experiencing extra stress to counteract their laziness and lack of discipline. You see, there's only really two paths in front of you. It's the path of discipline or it's the path of destruction. The cost of discipline, okay, you've got to wake up a little bit earlier, you make some coffee and you get to work even though it feels kind of hard. The cost of lacking discipline is your soul. It's the pain that when you fall in love with a woman, you're not successful enough to be able to just retire her immediately. That seems like a a distant dream for a lot of guys, but it is a reality for some. Imagine that moment when your woman still needs to go to work in a job that she doesn't want to go to. You know, if you meet a woman who loves her work, that's different. But let's say she's working some shitty job and it's actually starting to drain on her. Let's say she gets pregnant and even six months or however long, three months into the pregnancy, she still has to go to work. She still has to commute. Now I can be sat here like, you know, being like nice as everyone else is to you, but I'm gonna hit you with some cold, hard fucking truths. You're disgracing your manhood if you can't provide for others. If you have a woman who hates her job, but still has to go because you weren't disciplined enough for long enough in your life, you should feel like a fucking asshole. You should look yourself in the mirror and actually think, fuck me, I wasted years of my life doing what? Porn, video games, drinking, drugs, right? If it was different, if it was like, you know, you were really working hard, but you didn't end up achieving success, that's different. But look into the fucking mirror and just be honest with yourself. Did you actually like work to the level that you should have? Did Did you discipline yourself to the level that you should have? Or did you just keep coping and saying that one hour of video games was fine? And now your your girl has to go work an overnight shift or, you know, like she has to work overtime on Saturdays. Now your father's like 60 years old and he's still like stretching along to work. And no one will say this to you, by the way. No one will actually come to you and say like, I wish you retired me. Your father's probably not going to say that to you. But they're thinking that. I can't believe I raised such a weak son who didn't even understand the, the concept of masculinity that you provide 
your father provided for you and here you are. Extra one hour on video games every day, eating carbs that fuck up your brain and now you can't even work well. I don't mean to be insulting or aggressive towards you, but I wish that someone spoke to me like this because everyone spoke to me like a pussy when I was growing up. It was so weird. It's like, trust me when I say people are thinking these thoughts, but I'm growing up playing video games, watching porn, fucking around, wasting time. And only my father would just kind of tell me, you know, these are bad habits and stuff, but he wouldn't ever explain. I wish he sat down, like maybe I would have thought of him worse, but I wish he sat me down and said like, you shouldn't be playing video games because in 10 years, I wish that you'd retire me. I wish that I'd stop working these shitty jobs that I hate and I hate my life and I have to drink alcohol to be able to sleep. I wish in 10 years from now, you'd be able to retire me and I don't believe you'll be able to do that because you keep spending two, three, four, five hours a day on video games. I'm disappointed in you. I wish someone told me that when I was younger. These days, like everyone just speaks in such a polite, like nice way. And you need someone to hit you with some truth that I don't say this to be an asshole. I don't say this to hurt your feelings. If I wanted to hurt your feelings, I wouldn't be making like a, a guide like this where I've genuinely put my fucking heart and soul into this for the last like two weeks and like numbed my brain to thinking how I can help you be more disciplined. But sometimes, especially for young men, men who are masculine, you need a bit of criticism from someone else. You need another guy to look at you and just say like, bro, you're not living to your potential. So what the fuck is the point in your life? Now, you can start getting depressed and, and think that this is going to trigger you and make you worse. Or you can think, you know what? It is shameful. It is absolutely shameful for me to be like a leech on my family when I'm a young man. I'm 18 years old. I'm 20 years old. I can work harder, I can figure it out, and I don't have to retire them right now because that would be unreasonable. But I could surely retire my parents after 10 years from now if I set that as the plan, right? That's not so like super unrealistic. I'll give you a, a, like a random tip. When we talk about retiring parents, people don't really explain it. There's two ways that you retire your parents. One is that you make like an absolute boatload of money and you just essentially transfer them the money, like a huge amount, like let's say $1 million and they get to live off that forever. That They don't have to think about anything else. That's very unrealistic because that means that you've probably got 10 million or 50 million in the bank account and you can give them that much. So not many guys will do that. But the other one is that you're making a really good amount of money every month. Like for example, your business is making 8,000 or 10,000 a month, which is really high, but it's possible. And then from that, you give them more than what they need to be able to pay off all the bills. So for example, you give your parents like $4,000 a month, which means that suddenly they don't even need to work anymore. Let's say like your mother right now, like how much does she make? $2,000 a month, probably less for most of the people watching this right now, probably way less, right? So if you were making $5,000 a month in your business and you were able to give your mother 1.5K or 2K, Suddenly all of her time is freed. She doesn't need to work the shitty job that she hates. And it's like, this is a very strong point for people because this is when the, the leashes, the chains of finance get broken off and they can discover who they really are and what they really wanna do with their lives. And it turns out, you know, people still wanna work and be productive and do something. Your mother's been working this shit job that she hates. Now it turns out that she actually wants to go and volunteer at this charity because like one of her, like some friends or something is there or there's like a cafe that she really likes and she'd love to work there part-time. So she's still bringing in a bit of income, but she like really enjoys it a lot more. It's not as stressful. It's closer to home. She doesn't have to commute. And you've just gave her the genuine gift of life for $2,000 a month. Not bad. You should not be hearing this and start to self-destruct. 
Because there are quite a lot of sensitive young people who are hearing this and that they're just going to start getting really, really stressed out and stuff. That's not going to help you. Don't just start getting emotional at this. Start getting logical towards this. Start thinking to yourself, you know what? Emotions aren't going to help me. Logic, power, strength will. Discipline will. What's going to help you is the fact that barely 1% of young men are interested in things like this. Like if you really just imagine yourself right now, if you view yourself in third person, you're sat here watching a guide on discipline. Now, if you imagine the people you grew up with, what are they doing right now? One of them is genuinely edging his dick right now. You know it. The other one is literally like he's still lying in bed right now. The other one is watching some bullshit TV or something. The other one is just, what, playing on his little Xbox with his little stubby fingers or something. He's got like little, like oily fingers from like the little disgusting junk food he's been eating whilst playing the game. The other one is working some like shit job that he hates, but he's spending all the money on like some some card that gives him a level of validation. So maybe he can get some stinky hole from when he goes to the club. That's your competition. You're telling me you can't beat those guys. Your competition is literally guys who don't even exercise. Your competition is guys who genuinely have never even heard of the concept of like meditating. That's your competition, bro. It's, it's not that hard to beat 99% of guys all you've got to do is about 10 push-ups and 30 seconds of meditation today. That's it. Then to beat the 1% is ruthlessly hard because guys in the 1% are actually doing bits. They've already watched this guide. They're already meditating for the last year. They've all got six packs. They all understand all these like concepts and frames and mindsets. Now it gets hard. But to beat 99% of guys, bro, and you know, to get to like the equivalent of that might be one or two or 5k in business. It's like, just, just do some stuff consistently for like two months and ask for advice and just maybe get someone who's more experienced than you to help you and to give you some kind of direction and just do it for about an hour a day for like two months, three months. When you go down this path of discipline, what you'll realize is you'll start to get this weird, peaceful, blissful experience, which kind of like it reminds you, it, it, it shows you, you know, the concept of your potential. You always heard this in school and Instagram little quotes, uh, live to your potential, do you know your potential, your potential, your potential. When you start to dedicate yourself to discipline, and really don't bullshit yourself. You really become disciplined in the areas that you didn't want to. Like you kind of want to, but you know, you don't feel like it. You're not motivated and stuff. You really start to do hard shit. I didn't want to sit down for this fucking video right now. I didn't want to. I've already done three hours of deep work today. My brain was kind of hurting. And for like a, like a break, like a vacation, I closed my eyes and did some deep breaths. And now I'm here. Now I'm recording for like a solid probably two hours whilst I'm here. And it feels phenomenal. Because as I'm doing this, there's no thoughts in my mind. I've challenged myself today. So I, I get a free flow state. This is the happiest like a human can be is when you're experiencing flow and there's no thoughts in my mind. I don't need to fake it. You know, I'm not like, like some people will pretend that they're happy with their work and they'll show you like a fake smile. I don't need to show you like a massive big smile. I am totally and utterly like content and almost slightly like enlightened in this exact second right now because of discipline, because I've put the hard work in to be here today. So I'm in like a flow as I deserve. The moment that I'm done recording this, I'm going to feel phenomenal. I've accomplished more in this morning than I used to genuinely over an entire month. It's 10 a.m. I woke up at five. It's awesome living like this. Now I wanna talk about some specific strategies that you can use to use discipline in your work and your studies. Step 3.1, wake up early. Now either choose to wake up early 
or to stay up late. But I think that you should have either one of these extreme, like this pocket of window, very early in the day or very late at night where no one can contact you. And that's when you can work on something which is really, really important. This is building up to the most important productivity tactic that I could be telling you about. You must have a few hours of the day where no one will contact you, where no one's awake, where it's just kind of you with some silent enthusiasm working on something that's super hard and like, you know, the hardest task possible. And it like 100%, trust me that I highly doubt that you could do this in the middle of the day and you need to wake up early, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., or you stay up late, midnight, 1 a.m., something like that. You can choose which one it is. Some people are way more night owls and they do a really good work there. Some people are way better in like the morning time. I'm way better in the morning. What I will say is I do genuinely think the morning is better for pretty much everyone because when you stay up late, you do automatically experience problems. There's more people who are still awake at 11 o'clock, even midnight. You can't drink coffee or caffeine or anything. If you see any bright lights or like, you know, any lights from your computer past about 10 p.m., it really does start to fuck up your mental health. Like Andrew Huberman talks about this a lot, that if you look into the computer or phone past 10 p.m. or 11 p.m., it starts to produce like depressive symptoms inside of you because it's totally unnatural to see light at that time. When you wake up early at five and you see light, it's absolutely fine. It's actually kind of healthy. So I heavily prefer morning time. But if, for example, I was someone who genuinely could not wake up early, but I feel fantastic at 11 or, or midnight or 1 a.m., I would still do that. I would be pushing that and literally like be up at a time where everyone else is asleep, where you don't reply to any messages so that you can do the hardest task possible. I do my absolute best work as early as possible in the day. So right now I wake up at five and my deep work task is between five and 8 a.m. So in cases you wanna copy me or you wanna take any of my ideas, here's my current exact routine. At 8 p.m. I shut everything down, non-negotiable. I don't care if I'm on a call, if I'm doing anything at 8 p.m. Everything is shut down. That's when I'll go and do my nighttime routine. And, you know, I'll brush my teeth, I'll frost my th teeth and stuff, set up my room and everything, set up tomorrow for, um, for work and everything. Then I'll get into bed. And I just read like sideways lying down. The whole room is dark, but I have a Kindle, which is on the lowest brightness. And when you read like literally to the point that your eyes close, you have perfect sleep. I usually fall asleep at about 8.30 p.m., maybe sometimes about 9 p.m. And I wake up usually 5 a.m. like on the dot just by myself. Wake up first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I mean, I'm just quickly just going to the toilet, drinking some water, go downstairs and I'll look at bright light. Like I'll look at the, the sunlight right now, this sun, which is out at like 5 a.m. So I'm getting that into my eyes. Andrew Huberman says it's good. Then at about 5.15, I come up and I literally just do deep work till 8 a.m. So I'm working on the full guides for the script and everything. It's like a very mentally demanding, super hard task. No one can disturb me. No one's awake. I'm not checking messages. No one's awake in my house. So I'm just working on that. This is how you move the needle. So there's a phrase that I want to tell you, which means a lot to me. It's called eat the frog. The idea is, I think some philosopher or something made this, but the idea is that if you eat the frog first, the hardest thing, if you do the most gross thing, the hardest thing first, then the rest of your day is going to be easier and better. Most people do the opposite thing. They've got something hard that they really don't have motivation for and they'll keep pushing it on, pushing it later, 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 till eventually it's like their entire day has just been kind of like stressed out by that thing that they're pushing later. And sometimes they don't even get it done. So you wake up and you do the hardest thing straight away whilst your brain's really fresh. And then you've got like an easier day after that. 
So when I wake up, I focus entirely on these full guides because that's like my main thing. That's like the hardest thing I could possibly be doing. And I'll just be scripting the video. I'll be researching it. I'll be editing my script and everything. And then I record the full guide as well. This is the real me time. This is when I wake up, no one can bother me and I can focus on dedicating myself to my craft. And I really think that I'm moving things along. And so you can copy this. So the first thing you've got to do is figure out, are you going to be a morning person or a nighttime person? I really think you need to be one. And I think the more extreme that you can push the time, the better. If you can wake up at like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. and then start to adjust, you know, the rest of your life to it, the sleep schedule and everything to it, fantastic. If you can stay up 1 a.m. or 2, 2 a.m. and you can really, really get good work done and you're not coping and you don't get distracted and no one's messaging you and you can like, you know, stay awake at that time, then do that. You should have one of these pockets. The next thing is, and this is the actionable step, figure out what your eat the frog task is. What is the single greatest, hardest, highest leverage task for your work or your studies? For a YouTuber, for example, it's not, you know, changing the channel banner. It's not like commenting on videos. It's simply just like recording the video and maybe scripting the video. That's like the hardest, highest leverage thing out there for a YouTuber. So this is what I do in that first pocket of the day. If you're a nighttime person, then you do this right at the end. Or for example, let's say you are an author. You could be messaging people, you could be writing emails, you could you know, be sending shout outs to people or something. But the hardest task, the eat the frog of an author, what do you think it is? Literally just writing words down on a page. That's the hardest task. So if you're an author, you'd wake up and you'd do that as fast as possible, or you'd stay up late and you'd do that. You, you get the drift. The point is that there's a certain task for your work and for your studies that is super high leverage, but it's really hard. And that's the thing that you should be doing in these like pockets of time. If you're a student, for example, you might think that, oh yeah, mine is studying, for example needs to be way more specific. It can't just be studying because then it's like, you know, you can, you'll just cope, right? Because you won't have a plan. It needs to be a specific task, as specific as, for example, practicing the exam questions. So you've got an upcoming exam. You've got like a list of all the questions that they've had over the last five years. At 5 a.m. you wake up and you practice the exam questions for 90 minutes. That's, that is a good deep work task right there. Alex Hamozi is a entrepreneur, like a YouTuber who's got a lot, bunch of subscribers. And he spoke about how he ended up getting really, really good grades in college. He literally just practiced the exam questions over and over and over again. So that when it came to the exam, he had already practiced the questions that had come up anyway. So he just breathed through them. That's a very high leverage task. A lot of students cope and they say like, you know, their task is just going to be studying. They end up sitting there, they're distracted, they, they don't know what they're doing. They'll read a bit of the book, but it's boring. It's not even high leverage. It's very important you have a specific task that you'll focus on. I will tell you that I've been on self-improvement full-time for the past three years. I haven't had a job other than YouTube. And so I've literally had the beautiful opportunity to like be full-time on my self-improvements. And I will tell you that this is a 10 out of 10 productivity tactic. Wake up early, stay up late, whichever one, and work on that hardest task, eat the frog. That's what I have in this habit tracker behind me. I have 5 a.m., sunlight, eat the frog. That's the three things I do first. And then I've got like my the rest of my morning routine as well. This will be hard. When you sit down to try and do one of these tasks, it's always like, quite brutally hard. It's like you're trudging through deep snow. It's hard. There's always a bit of a struggle. You don't really want to do it. But as you get about 20 minutes or 30 minutes into one of these hard like frog tasks, that's when you start to feel a lot better. Like I am right now, 
when I was having a shower before this, I was literally thinking like, you know, coping, do I want to record this? I can't be bothered. What if I do it after the gym? What if I do it, before? you know, this, all these thoughts. The first like 10 minutes or so of recording this video, I was feeling a little bit like, I don't know, groggy, not really feeling it. Now it's fine. You've just got to fight the struggle that will inevitably arise with a task like this hard. And this is really, I'm going to be honest, this is where the success is built. Because you see how hard, you can imagine how hard this is. I'm telling you to either wake up early or to stay up late, which means that you've got to kind of dedicate your life around this. And then I'm telling you to work on the super hardest task possible, the highest leverage task. Everyone else is doing the exact opposite. Everyone else is spending their time doing like the pointless tasks, which aren't so important. And the hard, really important task, they're pushing that off till like, you know, till the later of the day, till they're tired and it's less of a priority and they're doing other things first. They're going to the gym first. This is how you get ahead of everyone else. You prioritize that big task and you try and do it first thing in the day when no one can message you. And do all this with the vibe of enthusiasm and enjoyment because you're building your dream life and you're not just building your dream life. This is the dream life. When you imagined your dream life and you thought of you know, the life that you wanted to live, oftentimes we've been influenced and brainwashed by media, by school, by you know, like people that we know and influencers, and even like the red pill like like based guys have influenced us to think that we need this Bugatti or this this apartment or you know, like be a high value man and stuff. When you take all that bullshit aside, when you really think about your dream life, in some way, you probably did think about the fact that you'd be working hard on some kind of project that meant a lot to you. Because if you think that, you know, the dream life is you just kind of retiring and having enough money, I have to say you're quite immature and foolish. Not not in an insulting way, it's just because you have an experienced life. Anyone who's experienced life, especially as, as a man knows, if once you make a fuck ton of money and you can pretty much retire, you don't because it's boring as fuck. You need some kind of purpose, fulfillment, right? So it's like this already was going to be the the dream life for us and we can have it today. We can have something that we can work hard on that contributes to humanity. That also gets us to the point that we can start to provide for our families. A year or so ago, I remember being on Instagram and there was an Instagram reel of like a basketball player who was like, um, you know, saying this like motivational quote. And he said, those days where you wake up early and you work hard, those days when you stay up late and you work hard, those are actually the dream which is super, like, I remember watching that and thinking that's actually so true. My Instagram's, I don't know if my Instagram's linked in the description. You can fo follow me if you want. I don't even post on it, but, um, and it's very true. The dream is not the subscribers. It's not the car. It's not the number in your bank account. It's just working on something that actually means a lot to you. If you disagree right now, you might be working on the wrong thing. You might be, for example, either being forced or you're maybe forcing yourself to work on something that you don't actually care about. You're only doing it for the external validation, the results. This is why it's very important to slow down for a second. And you know, your response to everything I've been saying here, if it seems kind of depressive of like, oh man, I've got to work hard on this task and it's going to be shit and stuff, but you know, maybe I'll eventually make money. It's probably the wrong thing for you because the right task is going to be the kind of one where it's still super difficult, but you're actually thinking, man, a life of me waking up early and working on that, that would actually be a pretty good life. It would be hard. And of course I want other parts of my life too, but I would actually like enjoy that. Like that would be good for me. That would be good for the world. Oftentimes many young men, they choose the work, they choose the studies, which they don't actually feel intrinsically motivated or, or internally pulled towards. Rather than you just choose whatever your latest red pill influencer has been telling you. What I highly suggest if you're relating to this right now, 
close off everything for a little while and just kind of, you know, don't use your phone just for a few minutes and just kind of sit silently and just ask yourself, like, what do you really want? And question that and maybe journal it and think to yourself, okay, where have these desires formed into my mind? Why do I want to be rich? And just, it sounds like a stupid question, but ask it and you won't want to write it down. I, I guarantee you'll be too much of a pussy to admit this, but you'll say that you want to be rich just because Andrew Tate talked about being rich. That's it. That was the only reason why if he didn't and if other people didn't, you the concept of being rich might have never formed in your mind because that wasn't what your purpose was supposed to be as a man. You hear so much about purpose. None of these guys online know about purpose. Purpose isn't about becoming this successful high level man who wears a fucking shirt, pretends he's Andrew Tate, does the fucking, fucking sign and then smokes a cigar. That's not purpose. Purpose is detaching away from everything, being in solitude or with some good men, which you probably have not even met just yet, being in complete solitude and really investigating the reason for why you fucking exist. And it will probably not be related to anything that you see these guys showing you, these male role models showing you, this life of hedonistic, this materialistic degenerates showing you that, oh, here I am in Dubai and you know, I'm, I'm sleeping with lots of girls, but you know, if, if a woman sleeps around, then she's a hoe, but I can sleep around. You know, she's damaged if she sleeps around, but I can damage her, her, her by my course, uh, Hostler's University, you know, people are fucking doing this shit online. The more you watch that kind of content or content in general, the more that your brain and your heart will be polluted with weird new desires that weren't ever your own. You must spend some time away from everything and detach and slow down. And slowly you'll start to figure out what you really want. But you're a bitch. So what you really want isn't as cool as what Andrew Tate wants and you'll prioritize his desire into your own heart and mind instead of your own. When you hear about this concept of purpose, it's all about finding out what is internally right for you. And so many young men have given up their purpose to just go follow the desire of the latest celebrity. It's a very shameful way to live. Perhaps I should have said this before. Before you even wake up early, before, you know, we try and figure out this frog task for you to eat the frog. We have to make sure that you're on the right track to begin with. This will come from making sure that there's no desires that are external. There's no influence by these other people, these creators, this validation seeking that you get from Instagram. It's awesome, for example, to go build your, your body. It's awesome to go to the gym and train hard. But if you're training hard to get the Instagram likes, it's probably not a good thing. If you're training hard to get more likes on Tinder, like I was for a very long time, it's probably not a good thing. If you detach away from all of that and you pretend like none of that exists and you are just here empty in this room for a few minutes, you'll start to really like question things and you'll be so scared of doing that because you were on the path to gain validation from other people as you, you know, you started to fulfill someone else's desires. The truth is their validation is fucking useless. So it's valuable for you as an extra actionable step for this video that's unplanned to spend maybe 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, maybe preferably a couple of days, zero technology, zero words spoken from your mouth to anyone else, pen, piece of paper, sit there, look at your wall, talk out loud and ask yourself questions of like, why do I desire? Where did this come from? No, 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 I know that Andrew Tate made a good a good reason, but like, where did it come from? It came from a Tate podcast. Oh, it came from a Red Pill podcast. Yep, I was watching another one of those useless podcasts where the angry men come on and they shout at the, the women for being hoes and then the same men talk to those women afterwards and try and sleep with them. That's where my desire came from and that's where I'm dedicating my life to. 
When you say it out loud like that, you feel like a fucking idiot, don't you? Instead, your desires should form from the inside and this should be related to like your soul's purpose here on earth. This is how you get into spirituality. I'm very new to this myself, but I think that this is the better way. This is the only way to live. Otherwise, you're just wasting your life. Because we know that achieving these external things, we know that that doesn't lead to happiness or fulfillment. We know this, right? You don't even need me to like question this. We know for a fact that when you get the house or the car, that every rich guy says this, when you buy the house or the car, it's like nothing. Go and look at the video. Iman moved into his place in Dubai. Look at his face when he explains. Like, yep, like he's bored. Look, take, buys the, the new car and he's super happy driving it and then watch how he talks about it the next time. It's like, it's boring. When you get these like little materialistic toys, it's boring. It doesn't add anything to your life and imagine sacrificing a year of your life for that little fucking like smile as you're driving this car that you've, you've wasted like a year of your life. You haven't hugged one of your like family members for a while. Like instead, very important, detach, figure out your real purpose, figure out your real desires. I know that this is going off topic here. I probably should have mentioned, I should mention this almost every video because there's no point in living if you're on someone else's trajectory. There's a few quotes that I really like. Days are made of mornings and lives are made of days. Win the morning, win at life. I really think that's the case. If you start your day with an awesome morning, morning routine, hard work, this specific task that means a lot to you, which is super hard to do, and you just do it to the best that you can, not expecting it to be perfect, struggling with it, losing your attention, but just you know sticking to it, doing it anyway, doing it any anyway, waking up early every single day doing that, you're starting each day perfect. That usually translates into a way better day than you know waking up late or anything. And your whole life is just made up of these days. So it sounds weird, but like the way to live a good life is just to have like a good morning routine. There's a lot of power in that. So an actionable step for you right now is to add onto your habit tracker, something like either wake up early or eat the frog. I've just wrote eat the frog. Oh, I've got both. I've got 5 a.m. and I've got eat the frog. And this way you're going to hold yourself accountable. And if you stuck this up, on your wall, it's very obvious you can't escape it. So that's why I love sticking up the papers like this on my wall. This is the route to self-mastery. It's allocating time to the hardest task you could possibly be doing. And usually that means waking up early, which is such a blissful experience. And I'm actually excited for you if you haven't already to get into this. Step 3.2, excellence in all areas. If you're okay with dust piling up on your desk, then you'll be okay with tasks piling up in your to-do list. If you're okay with leaving things out of place, then you'll probably be okay with sending an email with a spelling mistake. If you're okay with leaving the gym before you've actually finished your workout, you'll be okay with cutting corners in your studies or your work and the results that you get in life will show. But more than that, you will know you will know that you are a messy room kind of entrepreneur. I learned of this concept of excellence in all areas from an entrepreneur called Sam Ovens. He has a YouTube channel. You can just go search for Sam Ovens. And he's recently made this platform, like this online community website called school.com. That's where I host my business as well. And he ended up just like in one random video of his, he showed that he had principles for his like previous business, like the kind of guidelines and rules and mindset that everyone in his business was following. And one of them was excellence, excellence in all areas. They won't cut corners. And I've been inspired by that since. And that's something that I want to get into myself. 
excellence not in just the work that you produce or the videos that you make here but excellence in for example the form that you have in your workouts in the gym excellence in your diets excellence in the the way you hold eye contact when you're speaking to your loved ones. It's without a doubt that the students who are well hydrated, they've got good diets, they go to sleep on time, will get better grades than the students who stay up late on TikTok, who refuse to drink water because they don't like the taste of it. That's obvious, it's common sense. And yet people miss this out. This is undeniable, we know this. Because these are the people who have got their life in order. Trying to get better grades when you're dehydrated or trying to make more money from your business when you don't even make your bed every morning or trying to make gains in the gym when you refuse to improve your diet and you keep eating sugar. That's obvious, it's common sense, it's basic, but a lot of people miss the basics and you might be one of them. If, for example, you're a guy who's always well hydrated, there's probably another area of life that you're not even hitting the basics on just yet. Maybe your form in the gym, if you're just being honest, maybe your form in the gym is shit. It could be. Have you ever had a personal training session to have someone else, like a professional, evaluate your form? Have you ever trained with someone who's got 10 years of experience? Have you ever even like sat down and watched 50 different videos on how to like bench press correctly, how to increase your squat form and everything? All of this, this pursuit of becoming excellence comes down to just your mindset of setting higher standards than you have done previously. So again, this is something that you can do. You can look around your room and just think, okay, what could I slightly increase the standards of? A lot of it for a lot of people is cleanliness and you can increase the standards there. Maybe you can increase the standards slightly of the clothes you wear or the hair that you keep, the way that you groom yourself. A lot of young guys, including myself, kind of let ourselves go with a little bit of laziness. So booking in a haircut once a week or two weeks and with this new mindset, okay, I'm going to have higher standards for my appearance. That will translate to higher standards in your work. Step 3.3, perfectionism is simply a lack of discipline. I spoke to a lot of people who suffer with perfectionism. They want it to be just right. They want to wait months or years to you know, do something that should take maybe a couple of days. And I speak to a lot of guys who want to become YouTubers. Maybe they've been inspired by seeing like my YouTube channel growth. And they always ask me these bullshit questions. You know, should it be like this video or this one? Should it, how about this, this idea or this one, this one or this one, this like, you know, they're just like literally just jumping around from idea to idea. And I always just ask how many videos have you posted? And the most common answer that I get is zero. Here we have a young man who's overthinking to such a crazy level, thinking, wait, should his videos be like this or like this, like this? And he's made zero videos, so he doesn't even understand. This is like a fat guy sat here saying, no, 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 I won't go to the gym until I've got the perfect workout routine. How do you think you'll find the perfect workout routine? You go. So I always, always, every time I meet a perfectionist, I always relate them to a fat man. You're, you're the exact same. It's just a lack of discipline. The fat guy who doesn't go to the gym because he doesn't know exactly what the perfect workout routine is going to be is the exact same as the little skinny fat nerd with the skinny neck who's saying that he won't make his YouTube video right now, who's saying that he won't produce this work right now, or he won't release it just yet because it's not good enough. It's not perfect. This just comes down to a lack of discipline. It comes down to arrogance and narcissism. There's, there's a weird counterpoint here where we want you to have high standards, but we don't want it to be stupid. For example, your first video that you post onto YouTube is probably gonna be trash. Now, if you're some professional guy, you're 30 years old and you can invest in a really high quality team and you're already a great speaker, then it's gonna be different. But if, for example, you're a young guy 
and you don't have much experience, you're not really that great at speaking or anything, you don't have like a fantastic team or, or even a camera, you're just using your phone. Your first video is gonna be kind of trash and that's okay. But then having high standards would mean, okay, well, the next video I make, I'm gonna try and do one thing that's slightly better. Having high standards could mean, okay, I'm gonna make sure that in my videos, I don't waste that much time because, you know, a lot of new YouTubers, they'll press record and they'll waste 20 seconds, 30 seconds just getting to it. This is the way to increase standards, but whilst destroying perfectionism, just know that there'll always be more things that you can add into something. Always. There will always be more that you can add in. That isn't the skill. This is where perfectionists get stuck. They're always just trying to add more into something, think that they can make it better. How exactly do you use discipline to overcome perfectionism? You find a perfectionist buddy, kind of like an accountability partner, but another guy who also has these feelings of perfectionism. And you join together because generally we have perfectionism in ourselves, but we can kind of rationally see for someone else, because, you know, perfectionists can't see it in themselves. They think that it's still not good enough. They think that it's not ready to be released. But if a perfectionist meets another perfectionist, they can kind of help each other in a weird way where they both relate to the feeling that they have and they're able to convince each other well. And so your actionable step is to go down to the comments right now and go search for your own perfectionist slash procrastination buddy. And if you really want to take action, then write your own comment and then people can reply to you. Maybe you can put your Discord username so people can add you. You can say like, I'm looking for a perfectionist buddy. This is the thing that I think I've got perfectionist on. Or, you know, I procrastinate on this task because I keep expecting it to be perfect. If anyone's similar, here's my Discord, here's my email address or something. Everyone spamming in the comments will also help the algorithm pick up this video. So that's a win-win. If you are interested in all of the entrepreneur stuff, I've just spoke about like finding your dream business business and you want my advice with that and you want to join like this online community, Adonis School is the place to be and that's the top link in the description. Step four, discipline in health and fitness. This is the most common place where young men can use discipline to improve their lives. Go to the gym and eat right, eat clean, even when you don't feel like it. It is really going to the gym and hitting workouts that is usually most young men's like first taste of discipline. It's first taste of feeling like quite masculine and, you know, doing something even though you don't feel like it, doing it even though it's hard, doing it especially because it is hard. And there's four major benefits to being disciplined when it comes to fitness. Number one, it's the concept of hard times create strong men. You've probably heard of the cycle before. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Wherever we are in the cycle right now, I mean, I think we know where we are. The hard times are pretty much here for a lot of countries and it will get worse and worse. Like we're talking potentially decades of like the dark ages. On the other hand, there might actually be the biggest sort of resurrection of good times as fast as possible that we've ever seen in history because of technology, because of AI. Like who knows where it's going to go right now? It does seem to be the case that we are like entering the hard times, which means that if you are a strong man, you will be able to ride this wave that we're going through but weak men won't. Weak men are succumbing every single day to more of these addictions, whereas some men are getting stronger, even though the times are getting harder. It's hard right now, like for example, I live in the UK. It's hard for an average man to be able to feed his family because of the cost of living crisis that, you know, he's not making much money. The weak men will just kind of struggle with that and just keep struggling and complaining and ask for handouts. The strong man will figure out extra ways that he can make money and become more capable it's how you use the situation around you. And going to the gym, interestingly, will help you with this. 
It will develop you into a strong man because you're putting yourself through hard times. Now, I've got to make a disclaimer. A lot of guys will not get this benefit because for a lot of people, including like fitness influencers and everything, they're too, they're too relaxed. They're too easy. Like, you know, their workout routine, their, their diet. When you, I see like every now and then I'll see a video from a fitness influencer and he's having like 200 grams of sugar a day. He's eating like protein pancakes and he's put little like fucking, um, chocolate spread over it or something. Like, is this the level of discipline we've got it to? This is, this is the pinnacle of health is these fitness YouTubers who are literally showing you like, Oh, look, look at me. I'm having a snack. I'm having loads of sugar and stuff. Like, bro. Like I said before, 100%, if you want to go out for like a nice treat every now and then, 100%, I love to do that as well. So, you know, I'm not, I don't have like a 100% perfect diet. This is the pinnacle of health these days. This is like fitness influencers. 20 years ago, it was, you know, okay, way out. The white rice, the broccoli, the chicken, maybe a little bit too extreme. And now it's these guys who are like doing 10,000 calorie challenges because all the, the disgusting people just watch that content. It should still feel hard today. If you really want to level up, if you really want to get stronger, it should be relatively hard. Like, like I'm speaking directly to the guys who've been training for years now. Remember when you first started in the gym and how fucking hard it was? Remember how sore your muscles got in that first ever like arm workout that you did? You know, the first time that you did a bunch of bicep curls and the next day you couldn't even straighten your arm and you felt the same way about your hamstrings and everything, right? That was a hard workout. That built you strong. These days we do a full workout and afterwards we could work out again. Because even though our workout is like, you know, harder than it was before, our capabilities have risen. So we're no longer even in that level where we're challenging ourselves and becoming stronger. The same with dieting. Remember the first time that you started to diet and you, the first time you really made some progress in dieting, how like hard it kind of felt. Remember how much you used to think about this concept of eating less calories and eating cleaner. And it would like literally almost feel like a full-time job. And these days it might feel like way easier. You're just used to it. That means that sure you're rinsing out the current benefits, but you're not growing anymore. You're not getting any stronger right now. Maybe you don't need to. Maybe you're already a super strong man. Chances are you're probably not because I'm not. I've still got a lot, like a long way to go. And if you're sat here like learning from me and I'm telling you as your teacher that I've got a long way to go, I think you should slap your ego and think, you know what? I probably do as well. So your diet and your training should feel hard today. I know that I'm doing this right when I'm in the gym and I really want to go home, but I have to like really like fight to stay there. Whereas I've had a lot of workouts over the last few years where I've just kind of, you know, I've just done it. Yeah, it's hard. You know, when you're pressing the weight and you're close to failure, it feels hard. But all in all, it doesn't like, it's not 10 out of 10 difficult. It's kind of like fun going to the gym. But these days recently, just very recently, only for a few days, I've literally been in the gym and been like exhausted and tired. And it really reminds me of when I first used to go to the gym when like you couldn't wait to almost like leave. Like it was fun, but it was super tiring. And the same with my diet. I had to restrict it to the next level now that now it feels like like kind of like how it was when I was a beginner and I can see the progress that I'm making. It's like I keep feeling this weird blissful feeling, which is like I can genuinely understand the concept of potential of self-mastery because most people's fitness journey and you know the journey to be disciplined looks like this like that like it starts and they get you know loads of progress they're being really disciplined but then out of nowhere it just starts to level off and they just kind of stay comfortable here even the guys who consistently go to the gym if you've been going to the gym for a few years i guarantee you've been pussying out 
guarantee that even though the gym like you've been going consistently and the gym feels kind of hard guarantee that you're not like progressively overloading not just set by set but just kind of workouts and month by month of like you know restricting your diet more getting bit a little bit more extreme in your training and people can say oh well you know this is you know restrictive diets don't work and stuff yeah for pussies of course they don't for shallow breathers of course they don't but for superior men men who want to become strong this is the trajectory it's like every single month you slightly increase the level of discipline that you need for your activities. Most guys stopped one year into going to the gym and they just kind of like maintain that level. You know, if you've been finding that you're not making as much gains recently and we all blame it on like, yeah, you know, it's noob gains. You make a lot of mu muscle when you first start and you don't make much after that. Maybe, but maybe you've just been pussying out. Maybe you're not putting in the same level of discipline relative to when you first started. Because I remember when I first started and I found it incredibly difficult to diet and to train. And then for years, it was way easier because my skill level had went up, but I wasn't challenging myself anymore. So if you want like a little idea, for example, start adding in some cardio. Maybe you already do some. Go and track your cardio and do a hundred calories every single day for the rest of your life. And every time you get onto your favorite cardio machine to hit hundred calories, try and beat your score from last time, like your, your time, for example. So you, you really like the, the treadmill, for example, and it takes you 10 minutes to hit a hundred calories today. Tomorrow you go into the gym and you try and get it in nine minutes and 30 seconds. Then the next day you try and get it in nine minutes. Then randomly, the ne you know, one day later, you end up getting it in like seven minutes. And it's like, whoa, that's really good. Then the next day, it's like eight minutes. And you're really trying to beat the seven minute again. But, you know, that was quite lucky. So you, you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to be, you know, progressively overloading. I'm going to be smart. Let's try and get it on average, like eight minutes. Okay, eight minutes, then 7.50. And you, you start playing this game. And now this is like an extra level of challenge. You're there sometimes in the gym feeling like, oh, I don't want to do the 100 calorie thing. It's stupid. Hamza was just, you know, saying it lightly. I don't want to do it. That's exactly how we felt when we started going to the gym. You wake up the next day and your legs are sore and you've got that like pain, heavy feeling in your Achilles tendons and your calves. That's exactly how it felt when we first started training. Now you're like being as disciplined as you was back then relatively and you're becoming stronger. The second benefit of being disciplined in fitness is the physical and mental health. That's gonna translate over to better work, relationships, happiness, and love. And the third benefit of being disciplined in fitness, of course, is getting into shape. Tristan Tate was on a podcast that I watched a little while ago and he was asked what's like the number one tip to look better in a suit. And he ended up saying it was just get into shape. It wasn't actually about the suit or the tailor or the style. If you're in shape, you look good in clothes or without clothes. Finally, the fourth benefit to being disciplined in fitness, eventually it becomes fun. If you keep going and you have this playful mindset, almost like you're playing a game, you're trying to beat your high score and you're trying to, you know, get the high score for the bench press. You're trying to get the high score for how fast you can burn hundred calories. That will soon turn into you genuinely just enjoying each and every gym session. And it becomes such a beautiful, enjoyable, and, and important part of your life. A lot of the guys who have been going to the gym for a while will know this. It really integrates into your personality and you start to love being an athlete. Like it adds to your self-image that you are this healthy person who's able to delay gratification, who's able to you know think for the future, who's able to enjoy the hard work, the exercise, the sweat, the discomfort, the pain, the sacrifice right now. And I think that's beautiful. I think it adds a lot of flavor to your life. Step 4.1, destroying depression with discipline. 
there's a lot of people these days who feel quite depressed. And whether there is such a concept of clinical depression or not, I actually don't know, which I know sounds stupid, but I think that the majority of people who have depression, I don't think it's this like weird mystical chemical imbalance that they might need medication for. It's in my belief that we feel depression when we don't act like how humans are supposed to act. Now, do you remember being a child and how playful and innocent and beautiful the world used to be. And I'm not talking about being a teenager, but I'm talking about actually being like a pure child. Remember when you used to climb trees and you used to jump over puddles? Like remember when you used to literally just lie down in the grass and you just kind of like look at the individual blades of grass and you'd see tiny insects and you'd play with them, maybe you'd kill them, right? We don't do that as adults anymore. We're so focused on our phones, on our computers, on like just, you know, these desires that have been put into us by influencers and by media we're constantly thinking about sex but not in like a loving way more in like a validation like you know obsessed with ejaculation so we live this like shallow life this dirty shameful life as adults and we wonder why we don't feel like happy playful children anymore so a lot of people believe that depression is something that they can't change i'm depressed i need medication I think the issue from my understanding with medication is that it's not going to cure the problem. There's a reason why you're depressed. The medication just kind of masks the symptoms and kind of like makes you feel a little bit better, like a bit more mellow today. You know, antidepressants kind of take off the sort of extreme high and the extreme low. And so you're in this weird gray androgynous zone. And I'm not sure if that's the best way to go ahead, like go about this. I think perhaps a better way, which is going to require me to sound like a fucking asshole is to ask you why you deserve to be depressed. If you really want this full guide to help you and if you really want to make some progress here, it might be worth for you to like not think of me as a bad person when I say that and for you to ask the question to yourself. Maybe write this down and you know write this as a note or something and to answer this. What am I doing to deserve to feel depressed? It sounds like a horrible question. I can imagine so many people might like think that I'm weird or I'm a bad person for asking you this. I personally believe, like, you know, you've tried, you've listened to the entire world. Just listen to me for like two minutes and let me just explain my mindset. And you can just try what I'm saying, right? I personally believe that we deserve most of what happens to it. Pretty much everything apart from like extreme freak accidents and everything like that, right? And I believe, especially when it comes to things of how we feel, we are in total control of that, whether or not we realize it and whether or not we accept it. And so I believe it's more of an empowering thought to have that our emotions are simply just caused by our actions. And honestly, when I've started to think like this, like I've started to think, okay, I control how I feel in life. I've had more control over it. So this is what I, I want to give you this gift because it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And I hope. This is going to maybe sound like boasting, but it's not even in the kind of boast that most people would do. You know, most people will talk about their money and their fast cars. One of the things I, I really like am proud of and I could boast about, I'm genuinely like quite a happy, content person. If there's 10 people sat waiting for the train, nine of them are on a phone and I'm the 10th guy who's literally happier than all of them put together with a smile on my face, just kind of like looking at the world. That's the kind of man that I've become now. And I promise that I was not always like this. This is because I've conditioned my own mind to like fight for my happiness, my joy, my, my survival, my, my gratitude and presence. And so I want to give you this gift, this, this mindset that I've had. If you ask yourself right now and just be totally honest and really write this down as an actionable step, 
write some notes on this. What am I doing to deserve to feel depressed? Just write bullet point some some ideas and your your lizard brain might pipe up and say, oh, you know, nothing. It's, you know, it's just what my doctor told me. It's just, you know, it's, it's genetic and stuff. But just ask yourself, you don't even need to, you don't need more in education or anything. Just ask yourself, what are some of the actions I'm doing that probably leads to this? And you, pro you could probably write a hundred. Let's just be honest. I wake up late. I'm sleep deprived. I don't drink enough water. I wake up and the first thing I do is grab my phone, even though I shouldn't. I watched an Andrew Huberman podcast where he said that you should get sunlight in the morning and I don't do it. I wear the same clothes and they're dirty and they stink, but I just throw them on the floor, then I put them back up and I put them on. I have no respect for myself. I haven't groomed in a while. I missed quite a few days of brushing my teeth. I haven't played anything other than stimulation and porn and destructive habits. I've been addicted to these habits for a very long time and I've been unable to quit. I eat a very poor diet that my parents probably conditioned me to eat. You could write a massive list of reasons, of actions that you're doing, which are contributing to you not feeling good. Now, please try this. On the other side of the page, or maybe just below it on a PC, write, what activities and tasks was I doing as a child when I felt really happy? And if you've got some memories, you can just replay them. I was spending time with my brother. We would listen to peaceful music and we would play Yu-Gi-Oh! like a card game. We'd play cricket in the back garden and would make up games where one of us had to be blindfolded but still hit the ball. When it was raining outside, that's when we'd go outside to play cricket so that it was just kind of, in a weird way, more uncomfortable but also like kind of more hardcore. We'd practice things just for the sake of practicing. Like we used to like parkour and we weren't even good at it. So we'd literally just try and like jump over fences. Like we would literally spend an hour trying to jump over a fence for the sake of just trying to jump over it just for fun. I'd spend more time with my mother and I'd laugh and she'd tell me stories. My dad would teach me maths. I would spend way more time playing outside with my friends. The things that we would do before mobile phones was very enjoyable. We'd just go to like parks and literally we'd just jump over stuff. I swear childhood was just about jumping over stuff. We would climb trees and I'd be in awe as my dad could climb like the biggest tree ever and I could only get to like the second branch. I'd purposely jump into a muddy puddle and get it all over my shoes and you know my mum would be angry at me but it was really fun. We'd go on adventures which was literally just like a mile away from our house and we'd end up going into like a random field and like make up stories that oh yeah this is where the homeless man lives who, who kills kids. Innocence. Like pure childish joy and play. What makes you happy what makes you not feel depressed? I'm not sure if it changes that much. I think that, you know, the things that we did as children that really brought us into a flow state that made us super happy. I think that it's specifically exactly the same activities right now, but it's that it feels kind of weird because as a grown adult, in some ways, like it shouldn't, but in some ways it can feel a little bit weird or awkward to consider the idea of going to go climb a tree, right? Or to do like some of these things of like inviting your friends, like going onto your friend's door, knocking on the door saying, hi, do you want to play out? Don't bring your phone. Let's just go like ride our bikes for no reason. No. Hey, hey, bro, do you want to go jump over stuff? Right. There's a level of like, oh no, that's not what, that's not what adults do, you know, this age. Like, yeah, we can go to the gym and that's kind of nice, but that's about it. Right. And any other kind of playing is just online these days. It's video games and everything. Right. I have an actionable step, just something peaceful for you to try. 
take one activity that you can remember that you used to do as a child that used to be kind of fun and maybe exhilarating and start doing it today. Climbing trees. Like when was the last time you climbed a tree? You can't feel depressed when you're up high on it. You literally just can't. You can't feel depressed when you're on a tree. When you go go for a run or for a walk, right? And it's been raining and there's a puddle on the floor. You can't feel depressed as you try and jump over the puddle and you, you, know, you could kind of laugh at yourself because you didn't make it and you got it all over your shoes. You can't feel depressed when, that, when you're doing that. Now that's only a few seconds and then straight after that, the demons will come back. Okay, sure. But what if your day and your life and your month started to be filled up of these little micro childish habits as they used to be as a kid? You used to see everything like a game. You used to see everything like a challenge. That's what we need to be like, even as adults. It's only, I wouldn't say Western, but it's only in these like, like these somewhat modern countries where people think that to be an adult means to be like this stuck up person who maybe doesn't smile so much unless it's socially appropriate, who acts like everyone else who doesn't act like a child. And so we wonder why we feel so bad. If you go to some other countries, not so much countries, but if you go to especially tribes, which have been like quite untouched by modern civilization, you'll see the adults will literally dance for like an hour or two every single day. They'll do things which are fun for the sake of doing things just for fun. You can almost picture right now, if like a YouTuber or let's say if I did like a vlog with some like African tribe. You can imagine the kind of ones I'm talking about where they've all got like enough feathered head headdresses. They make them. They spend an hour picking like f- feathers from chickens and whatever, dyeing them just because they're like, oh yeah, they, you know, they, there's the yellow feather and the that's fun for them. Then they're there, like you're doing the, their dance and everything, and they're having a good time. And here we are thinking that oh, yeah, yeah, adults adults shouldn't dance. Yeah, that's awkward. I feel embarrassed by that. Back to work, or oh, back to my video games. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So I invite you now as an actionable step to use discipline because it will require discipline. You will have a lot of limiting beliefs about this to think, nope, this isn't going to work. Nope, this is going to be cringe. Someone might see me, going to be cringe, going to be awkward, going to be uncomfortable. I'll go back to my video games. Hamza doesn't know what he's talking about. Depression can't be cured. Maybe you could be thinking that. But remember that I'm on your side here. And if your brain is is literally arguing against like us and it's saying, oh, no, 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 we can't get any better. Is that really your own brain? Or is that like fucking evil, demonic conditioning that's inside of you. Because your own brain should argue and fight for you, shouldn't it? 
So what if you're, you can just manually input the thought into your brain right now? It's worth a try. I, I remember being a kid and climbing and doing silly stuff and it was always fun. Yeah, I could go try it. And you're, maybe you're, you're literally starting to think logis- logistically of where you could go around your area. Okay, where is there? Where could I find a puddle or a tree to climb up? The easiest way to start in a way that doesn't feel awkward, like at all, which is how I started my mental health journey, was long distance running. By long distance, I don't even mean like long distance. For me, long distance was like two kilometers or something. But it was specifically running outdoors, not in on a treadmill, but outdoors, specifically with a prioritization of adventure rather than just running and calories and heart rate. So what I mean by this, this is this really transformed my mental health. And I saw I really hope that you could take this. I started running, but instead of me just trying to follow you on the route and running on the road and everything like normal people would do, I ran with cardio being like the second thing I was running for. The first thing I was running for was adventure and exploration. So I would specifically and purposefully run into places that I just wanted to see. So, you know, I'd like imagine, okay, here's the, here's kind of like the road that everyone would be running around, like, you know, this big estate where I live, okay? Here's the road, everyone just runs there. Instead of just following the same road as everyone else, I noticed that there's almost like an alleyway, like not like a dirty one, but you know, just like a, a, a small road or something to the left which is very close to my house. And it just occurred to me, like, I've never been in that street before. So I run down there. It's a cul-de-sac, which means you you literally just have to run back out, right? But it's kind of like, I just took it in for a second and I couldn't help but to imagine, you know, the game Grand Theft Auto, when you look at the map and the map is all like kind of blacked and dark out up until you kind of discover it, then the map's got light. And I couldn't imagine like my own city being like that, like this dark map with a few areas really brightly lit. And there's a few dark spots, like quite a lot, literally so close to my house where I've lived for so long, which I've never even seen. Because we've always just thought, oh yeah, well, you know, it's probably the same. But our eyes have never even witnessed something literally like two minutes walk away. We've never seen a specific house before. We've never seen a specific like, you know, car and the front garden before. There's some places you've not seen, which are literally just minutes away from yours. And if you allow this like fantasization to build up, this this feeling of wanting to explore and adventure and just go out today, maybe on a run for the purpose of literally just like exploring your, your local area, going somewhere new and almost looking at it like in awe, not focusing 100% on the run, but like, you know, getting somewhere and like looking around, smiling and seeing, like, okay, I've never seen that person before. I've never seen the house before. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that they had a a big oak tree here. This is what we used to do as children. So I wanna ask you, when was the last time your shoes got muddy on purpose? When was the last time you genuinely on purpose jumped into a puddle just to like get wet and dirty? When was the last time you genuinely went out and had a snowball fight? Or that you climbed a tree? And, you know, if you think that this is lame, the thing is, big, macho, successful, you know, these these masculine men that you see online, they're doing it. Andrew Tate's playing with his daughter, and he's probably, like, goofing around with her. Jocko Willink, Bear Grylls, David Goggins. These are all guys who've got long-term partners who are playing with their kids every day and probably fooling around with them and laughing and playing hide-and-seek with them. 
Guys who have got fucking triple hour levels of testosterone. Guys who have literally been like military and successful business and kickboxer. And, and here they are literally playing more than we are because we're sat here trying to be too like masculine for our own good. Thinking, yeah, you know, like, oh, yeah, no, no business. Yeah. When the best businessmen are literally playing. Step 4.2, starting the gym. So you can skip this section if you've already consistently in the gym, but this is specifically for the people who haven't really signed up for the gym yet, or maybe who have got a gym membership but aren't going consistently, and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I actually start? I know it seems like a like a simple topic of literally just joining the gym, but I kind of needed a guide like this when I first started. Very quickly, the way to join a gym is that you'll go onto Google Maps or onto like just Google, and you'll search your area, so your city, and just write gym. And you'll start to see the map of where all these gyms are. And you just want to pick the one that's closest to you. See its opening times. And you can usually just literally just turn up and you can buy it there. Or you buy it on the website and it'll say, you know, the monthly membership, the yearly membership. Just do that. And to actually get started in the gym, a lot of people do have that kind of perfectionist mindset of like, you know, I don't know what workout to do. Yeah, maybe I'll start in two weeks. And you know, there's, there's a lot of things that just are stopping you from starting right away. The mindset I want to give to anyone who's in this position is you'll never be 100% ready to start the gym. There's always going to be another thought of like, wait, I need to wait for the workout clothes. Wait, I need to wait for this other thing. I've got to, oh no, I'm not feeling it. No, this thing. Okay, I'll, I'll start after that trip. Then I'll do this. I don't know the workout routine. I don't know if it's going to be safe. I don't know. No, there's going to be always these thoughts. Whether you start today or 10 years from now, you're not going to feel 100% clear with going to the gym. You'll only feel that after you've already been to 10 or 20 workouts. So what I mean by this is you specifically need to start going to the gym, even though your brain isn't 100% convinced that right now is the time. Which is powerful because now no matter what bullshit your little lizard brain, which is probably more of an enemy than a friend, let's just be honest, is telling you, you can just go anyway. Literally just tell yourself like, well, I'll never be 100% certain. So whatever bullshit's telling me, it's like, just shut the fuck up. I'm going to sign up right now and I'm going to go for my first workout. And you might say, oh, well, you know, what's the workout going to be? You don't even need to know because I want you to think about the concept of exposure. And you know what we just talked about with um, destroying depression with discipline and that concept I spoke to you about, like the, the Grand Theft Auto map being kind of blacked out up until you experience something. The exact same thing is true with exposure to like how the gym works. Because right now it's like the gym in your mind is this kind of like black kind of dark beast that you can't see, it's, you, know, you can't understand it. But the first time you've literally signed up to the gym, you went there, you've walked around the gym area and you've like, you know, you just coped and you did some stupid exercise and went home. Think about how much extra light you've just added to the whole concept of going to the gym. Right now, the whole concept is just dark. And that this is why you're making no progress because you're thinking, how do I make it perfect for, but you don't know because it's all dark. You need to get a little bit of exposure first. So even if your first day in the gym is literally just you walking around, looking at all the different machines and then going home, or you're not literally just sitting on one of the machines and just coping and doing like a few reps for no reason, that literally will add so much more exposure to the concept of the gym that you'll be able to go again more often. So I highly recommend that you get into this concept of I'm not going to be 100% certain. So whatever bullshit extra excuses my mind is telling me, especially the one that I think like right in here, right now, you understand what I'm saying, but another one has popped in and you're like, okay, yeah, sure. I'm going to listen to Hamza, but after this one, because this is a really important one. No, no, no. It's that one that will keep you skinny fat or fat for the rest of your life. Okay. <laughs>
So don't listen to your fucking brain because how many times have I told you this is the exact same part of your mind that convinced you for 10,000 hours of, of video games and a thousand episodes of fucking fake taxi or something. So your brain can't be trusted. So when your brain's popping up with seemingly logical reasons why you shouldn't join the gym or go for the first workout right now, it's not logical. It's just that your brain is, has been conditioned to be like a little bitch. So ignore everything that your brain says. Let's sign up for the closest gym nearby. Just navigate through the website, absolutely fine. And literally just walk into the gym and you might wonder, okay, what exactly should I do? For your first like real workout, I will literally make you the workout routine and I'll link it below. So you can just click on the link. Don't overthink it. And you're gonna think, oh, you know, just click on the link. There'll be like a strong app link. You'll download the app. It's all free. I don't make money from this or anything, but I'll, I'll do that. And then um, it'll open up on your phone once you've downloaded the app. It's a very, very simple workout. Then what, what you need to do is just know that you're using the right form. What this means, what form means is kind of like your, your technique. So it's to make sure that you're training in a safe way. So I'll link below the exact form videos that I've used, which are years and years old, so that you can learn how to do exercises safely. So the next time you go into the gym, the only thing that you'll need is your phone and hopefully some internet connection, like your internet data, or maybe the gym has some internet. Go into the gym, Get close to the thing that's in the workout. So for example, it's bench press. Then you see, okay, the bench is over there. You stand over to it, get your phone, click on the video that I've linked below and you'll learn how to actually do that exercise safely. And someone will literally show you on video. Okay, this is how you rack the thing. Grab it like this, do this with your shoulders. And then you go and perform the, the exercise at a very like low weight. Maybe like the empty bar is more than enough for most beginners. This is how you start the gym. You go back to the gym watching the same videos, thinking about the same cues that they've said, trying to make sure it feels okay and hitting it again and again and again. Eventually you probably don't even need like the form videos for those specific exercises and you can start to build on from there. Go to the description right now. I've linked that stuff. You can go get it for free. I've just added it all just to try and help you here so that it feels like less mentally demanding to start in the gym because I'm very grateful that my brother did this for me because if my brother didn't force me to go to the gym and if he didn't force me to like follow this specific routine, I wouldn't have, I just would have been, you know, information overload. So I want to be like the big brother for you and just be like, bro, just shut up. Just here's the routine. Just please just follow it. And then, you know, a month from now, two months from now, you can change it however you like. At least this will just get you into the gym. And once you've been in the gym and you've seen it 20 times, 50 times, you know where everything is. And, and you know, that area of your, of your mind is so bright that now it doesn't feel as scary anymore. What I will say is if you can afford it, or even if it's slightly too expensive, but you just want to really do this, getting some personal training sessions right at the beginning is absolutely one of the best investments you can make. 10 out of 10. If you've got someone who you train with who can teach you, fine. If you've got like a big brother who knows the form and the technique, fine. But if you don't have anyone and you can afford personal training sessions, like a, like a package of five or a package of 10 or something, it'll be like $100, $200, something like that. 100%, even if you're feeling kind of broke right now, 100% just like save up for it and get it because you will genuinely make so much faster progress if you've had five hours or 10 hours of like a professional who's qualified, who's got years of experience, giving you direct, instant feedback, who's already made the plan for you, which you can follow even after your time with them. And he's just giving you like, like all this micro bits of feedback, which you might not get for the next like five years if you train by yourself. So it's super worth it at the start to just invest into this few hundred dollars because they'll change like 
the trajectory of your fitness journey forever. If you can't afford some PT sessions like I couldn't when I first started, just keep going onto YouTube and searching for technique videos. So whatever exercise you wanna get into, you can just educate yourself on YouTube for free. Step 4.3, keep skipping workouts. If you find yourself constantly skipping your workouts and you cope and you make a lot of excuses, I'll do it at 7 p.m. Then 7 p.m. comes around and you don't go anymore. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And you know, you you set the plan to go maybe three days a week or four or five days a week and you end up just messing it all up and you go on different days. And you know, you're, you're very inconsistent. You just miss days entirely. It's too sore. You know, all these reasons to not be as consistent as you're supposed to be in the gym. I know exactly what to do because I've done this. By the way, I've been going to the gym like consistently for I think about eight or nine or 10 years, something like that. And here is my bicep to show. I am credible to talk about this. Yes. <laughs> so this is exactly what worked for me when I was a lot younger and way, way less disciplined. And, you know, more of like a Jeffrey, more of like a beginner, a shallow breather where I was um, missing so many workouts, coping, eating shit food and just calling it a cheat day. And, you know, I was all over the place, but I was able to get disciplined in the gym following two things. One, I made it easier to be disciplined to consistently go to the gym. So instead of just relying on discipline, it's awesome if we can use some of those productivity tactics like routines and schedules. So that it's just kind of easier and more motivating to go to the gym. So what this means is set a schedule to go to the gym at the exact same times so that it's in a routine. If you're trying to go to the gym somewhat randomly, thinking, okay, when will I have time? Oh man, I forgot to go to the gym for the last three, three days or something. That's gonna be super hard to get consistent. But if you already just spend literally just two minutes right now, you can pause the video, just spend two minutes thinking, okay, what would be a great time for me to go to the gym? In general, for a lot of people, it will be in the morning, maybe before work, maybe before school or something, or maybe like a little bit afterwards, you need to find out a time that you could imagine will work not only right now, but might work for the rest of your life. Like for example, for me, I can go to the gym for the rest of my life from around nine to about 12. That's the time that I usually go to the gym. Now sure, there's some days where I can't, right now it's 10 a.m. and I'm still recording, so you know, prioritizing something else. But in general, my exercise block is around like nine to 12-ish, somewhere around that. And that works for me. I'm energized at that time. I enjoy training at that time. The gyms are super quiet at that time because everyone's in work. So that works for me. It'd be worth it for you right now to figure out exactly the time that you would go and also to use what's called habit stacking. This is something from James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, which the idea is to put the gym on top of a habit which has already been formed. So for example, every day you wake up, you do your morning routine and you do some like studying or something and you go to the gym after that every single day. So it's super, super consistent. And you know, you adjust your workout routine to like make it. I personally think working out every single day is way better. I think that taking days off starts getting too complicated for your routine. And it's better to, for example, go to the gym every day for 45 minutes than it is to go to the gym three days a week for one and a half hours. I think it's so much better to go every single day because it just fits with your routine. You get so used to it. Your bag's always ready. You know, you're going to the gym at the same time. So it's always there, super consistent. So I would say if you can try and stack it with another habit, 
you'll get way more consistent. The most consistent I've ever been in the gym, it's or in just working out in general, is when I've just done it first thing in the morning and it was stacked on pretty much waking up, brushing my teeth, having a poop, and then just literally just getting my, my AirPods in and stuff and then just go into exercise straight away. Once you've utilized a few of those principles to try and build like a routine, not just like the gym routine, you know, push-pull legs, but specific like calendar routine going every single day at 9am. Once you've utilized some of those, there's one discipline mindset that I want to teach you. I had known this for a while, but eventually I had a conversation with a Marine, like a Royal Marine commando, like a hardcore guy. I hiked up a mountain. Everyone else has hiked up this mountain. I saw this guy climbing up, like scaling up from the peak side so whilst everyone else, you know, one step, okay, he, 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 this guy was like hand, like climbing like this, like from a steep side like that. That's when I saw him. I was like, whoa, like it's crazy. And so I asked him, you know, what he does. We ended up speaking and I ended up speaking to him on a podcast, which is very old, but you can have a look. If you just search like Hamza Marine Commando, it'll probably come up very, very old, like two, three, four years old. And um, he ended up telling me the exact same thing that I had been sort of following in my mind, which is really interesting, where he said, it's all about taking it one step at a time instead of looking at the entire battle. What I mean by this is when we don't feel like going to the gym, it's often because we're thinking about how big and scary and painful and uncomfortable the entire situation is. Let's say right here, right now, I'm sat here in my shirt, you know, my shorts and stuff. I'm kind of cozy. If I think about the hour of cardio that I'm going to go and do, I might start to like not want to go to the gym because it can start to feel kind of like like hard and you know like kind of exhausting and and I'm comfy here and I might end up coping. I might not say to myself, "Yep, I'm a pussy. I'm not going to go today." Not many people are, are that humble. I might say, "Yeah, I'm going to go today." But yeah, I'll go. I'll go after. You know, I'll get. A, I'll have a coffee first. I'll do that call. I'll do this other thing, and I'll go after. I'll go at two p.m. instead of my usual time. I'll go. At, you know, we start pushing it off because it's this big scary thing, when actually. We don't need to go and do the 500 calories of cardio. That's not what the task is. The task is to just get changed into the gym clothes. The next task is to like get our water bottle and our earphones. You can do that, right? You, no matter how tired you are, you could go and you literally just grab your AirPods and put them in, right? The next task is to put on your music. You can do that. No matter how tired you are, you could put on the music, right? The next task is to like go downstairs and put your shoes on. Again, no matter how tired you are, you could do that. Then it's to leave your door. Then it's to walk to the gym. Then it's to like, you know, do the warm up. So what the issue is, is that we are seeing the gym for this big beast, this workout, which is, you know, huge, it's long, it's uncomfortable, especially when we're in a state of comfort, instead of seeing the specific next task that needs to be conquered. Because when we are here in our nice, you know, quiet, cozy environments, and we think about the last set of squats, it's like our brain says, no, 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 no couldn't do this, couldn't do that transformation but it doesn't need to because we just need to do the next step. It's one step at a time. How do you hike up a mountain? One step at a time. So the idea is the next time that you're supposed to go to the gym, but you start coping, just remind yourself of this like one step at a time mindset. Remind yourself that right now your brain is convincing you that you couldn't do this massive leap to the gym. But it's not about the massive leap. It's just the individual step. And just ask yourself, it sounds kind of foolish, but ask yourself, could I put my earphones on right now? You'll be like, well, yeah, of course. Okay, I'll stick them on. Could I put my music on right now? Yeah, of course, I'll put it on. 
one step at a time and before you know it you're outside of the gym before you know it you're inside the gym before you know it you're warming up and by the time you've warmed up and you've done one set of squats it's like okay well you've come on let's fucking get it you're warm you're sweaty you're you're actually inviting the next set of squats now you're awesome right step 4.4 a disciplined diet i've mentioned in this video that you see a lot of these weak modern fitness influencers and it's it's a shame that these are like the seen as the pinnacle of health and fitness. It's these guys who are eating sugar, 200 grams of sugar a day. It's these guys who are making anabolic cookbooks with pancakes. And, you know, it's like it's just childish to eat that day to day. And it's certainly not your best. It's certainly not like the best of your character to indulge in sweet treats and cope and say that it's part of your diet. Now, you can absolutely make muscle whilst eating shit food. Of course you can. But... There's more to life than just making muscle. How about your health? How about your physical and mental health? How about your gut's health? It, overloading on sugar and weird chemicals, which are in like gummy bears or whatever the fuck these influencers and these um, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts that they're eating all the time. There's a better way to do this. For me, the moment that I was able to improve my diet came when I started to educate myself on it. I realized at age 22, I had been through the entire education system and I had never had a real lesson on diet or nutrition before and that I actually knew nothing about what these things were actually doing to my body. That's when I discovered this lecture that's on YouTube that you can watch for free. It's from like this. It's just, it's very good and I highly recommend that you just watch every second of it. It's called Fat Chance 2.0. And if you just go on the description of this video, I'll link it for you. Whenever you've got the time, it's like an hour long. I highly recommend you watch it. There might be some bits that you get a little bit bored. Just trust me when I say, if you watch every second of it to the end, you're gonna be very grateful that you did because it's gonna give you the kind of education you should have gotten when you were in school, but then they don't teach this stuff for some reason. So that works really well for me because online, I think there's only a voice right now on this you know, fitness influencer shit of people just being kind of like, mediocre every day it's people who are disciplining themselves or living to like 50 to 60 percent of their intensity they're eating some clean calories but then every single day they're having a little bit of chocolate they're having this from my experience you might be different but i'm just going to tell you that what i believe is the truth from myself and also for every successful guy that i know it doesn't seem like successful people have daily balance. It doesn't seem like the guys who have the best, like the real best physiques or health or business, it doesn't seem like they're doing 50% of their intensity every day. It seems like those guys resemble the phrase like work hard, play hard. They go into periods of intense work mode where they do nothing but work and nothing but like, you know, strict calories and everything like that. And then they go into periods of intense playtime where they literally just, for a lot of these people, they're just total degenerates. They'll start drinking and sleeping with loads of women and taking drugs and stuff. I'm not doing that stuff. But for me, my degenerate time is like going to a family cafe and having some cake and like talking to the family there and everything. So that's just what I've seen online is you're recommended to have this kind of almost you know perfect sustainable diet every day 80% of your calories from healthy stuff and 20% from like the process you know f like nice foods I don't recommend that because that means that you're not living to your potential whilst you're in work mode because if you're eating 20% of like you know junk calories per day I promise you you will get fucked by someone who's competing with you if there's someone else who wants to take what you've got if there's someone else who's got the same business as you and he's on carnivore diet, he's gonna fuck you up. So, because if you're in work mode, I think you should have everything optimized for work mode. 
for a lot of us young guys, we probably should be in work mode because this is an awesome time for us to develop. I think the better way is we go into these periods of work mode, we try and be as disciplined as possible with our diets. And then when we get to, you know, this two weeks in, three weeks in, that's when we have a few days off and we go on a little trip somewhere because this gives you the heightened experience. So if you wanna copy this, what I'd suggest is get onto like a quite strict diet. And I don't mean strict by like, you know, super low calories because that's unhealthy. What I mean strict is like, for example, no sugar, no carbs preferably, which means that you're literally just eating eggs, steak, you know, meats, butter, nuts, that's about it. That's pretty much like most of what I eat. I have halloumi as well. Halloumi is a kind of like a Greek um, goat cheese, which is quite nice as well. That's it. It's quite boring. It still tastes kind of nice because if you can cook, you know, eggs nicely, it still tastes nice. If you can cook steak well, it still tastes nice. But it does feel like something's missing because we've had carbs with every meal for like 20 years. But your brain will never be as sharp. Here's an actionable step for you for this part of the guide. Write down a plan for your workout and for your diet. Have it super clear. What are you going to eat every day? What time are you going to train? How often will you train? My advice is train every single day at the same time, but do like slightly less volume than you would if you were doing three or five days or set, whatever days a week. This way that it's so much more consistent. My favorite way of doing this is just the habit trackers as I've shown you here. Step five discipline and self-improvement habits. So it's summer of 2022 and I'm in Thailand in a big villa that I've rented out on Airbnb. I'm sat outside next to the pool. Sam, my video editor, sat next to the pool. He's reading and I'm sat there recording a video for YouTube and the video's on mental health. So, you know, I'm talking about all these great habits that you can get into. Eventually, I end up finishing the video. It's pretty good. I'm proud of myself. You know, here we are in a different country being digital nomads. And I've just done this deep work task that's probably paid for the next few days of our stay, which is awesome. And as I press the sort of stop button on my camera, Sam looks over to me and he he's almost like smirking a little bit. And he says, Hamza, do you still meditate? Because you mention it in all of your mental health videos, but I've never seen you meditate before. Straight away out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I meditate in my in my bedroom every day. I'm lying. I used to meditate every single day for an hour. I was known as the meditation guy. But at this point, I hadn't meditated for the last year. And yet I was still known as the meditation guy because I would speak about it so often. And I hadn't even told anyone on YouTube or anyone who knew me that I pretty much like quit or not that I quit, but that I just kept on slacking and that I wasn't consistent at all. I'm teaching all of these young guys around the world of all these habits like meditation and I don't even do them myself. And so I'm, I'm feeling like a fraud. Sam's words plagued my mind for over six months whilst I was trying to get consistent in meditation again. And I kept on failing. And eventually I realized why. So only just a few months ago, I realized why I kept on struggling to get consistent in meditation again, even though when I first started, I got super consistent. I was doing it for an hour a day, but then I missed it for over a year and a half. And I realized for me, it's because it wasn't in my morning routine anymore. You see, for the last year or so, I've seen a rise of a bunch of YouTubers and influencers who almost mock the self-improvement habits, who mock the idea of like a morning routine. And, you know, they think it's kind of cringe or weird. And, you know, there's been a culture on, online of people kind of saying that this stuff is like, it doesn't work or whatever. But then of course, there's been a culture online of, of 
like more qualified people like Andrew Huberman saying that this stuff, of course it works. Cold showers, of course it increases your dopamine. Meditation, of course it increases your focus. But I got influenced by the people who were kind of disrespecting the self-improvement habits and, you know, saying that, you know, morning routines are cringe, CEO morning routine and stuff. And when I don't do a morning routine, I found that I simply just don't do the self-improvement habits because when I start work for the day, it's like I'm in work mode. So it's like, it's very hard for me to kind of like get out of that. I found that I have like a pocket of time, like a window of between like 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., which is perfect for me to do the self-improvement habits. So I wake up before that so I can still do like, you know, the deepest work and wake up super early and work super hard on like the full guides. But as part of my morning routine, I'll go outside, I'll get sunlight into my eyes whilst I'm reading on my Kindle. So it's like a two-in-one. I bring my Kindle up here, like up into the sky like this. So that this way, like the sun's rays are going into my eyes and I'm also like reading at the same time. Then I'll come in, I'll go for a cold shower. Then I'll straight after the cold shower for two minutes, I'll meditate for 20 minutes. Then I'll do gratitude journaling. Then I'll do um, death meditation. I'll do double deep breaths. I'll do like, I've got a bunch of things in my morning routine. It takes me just under an hour. And people find it like sad for some reason, which I don't get why, because it's like, it's very wholesome activities that genuinely have changed my life forever. I stopped meditating for a long time and my anxiety, like level of intrusive thoughts really shot up. Like I really started to, feel how I used to feel for most of my life, which was new for me because for a solid year, I almost forgot what it was like to, to feel anxious. And slowly those anxious thoughts started to come back. And I, you know, I was, wasn't so conscious as to why. And it was because I, I just stopped meditating. This is all about the concept of progressing 1% every single day. You know, you've heard it before, be 1% better. That actually comes from this Japanese philosophy, which is called Kaizen. Kaizen is, is this kind of student mindset, which means that we prioritize wanting to be slightly better, like to learn something and to be slightly better today every single day for the rest of our lives. That's where like the concept of self-improvement comes from. It's like this random Japanese philosophy that ended up, you know, like we started masking over it with just these sort of habits and everything. What you'll find is that progress creates happiness. When you are consistently progressing in your development as a man, you will consistently feel the emotions and, and mood of happiness every single day. When you stop progressing, that's when your life starts to turn quite gray and dark. And let's say, for example, you stop progressing with these self-improvement habits, but you're still getting more results, like you're making more and more money. It does nothing. Telling, like, telling you from my own personal experience, I was happier when I was totally broke, but I was meditating an hour a day than I was when I was living in Dubai and I was making like 40K a month. Because when you're, when you live like that, like this is a separate point, I guess, but when, you know, the, you've seen this, this lifestyle that's been promoted to you by the media, the influences and everything, right? When you live that kind of lifestyle, People only show you the glamorous part of it, but almost like what I found is when you sacrifice these wholesome habits, like reading, like meditating, like journaling, and you start to make a lot more money, you still don't feel happy. You don't get as much power as you think you do by the pursuit of wealth. Instead, the power comes from the exact opposite, which is needing less. 
The power and happiness and joy and fulfillment and success doesn't come from achieving your desires. It comes from destroying the desire in the first place. Soon I'll have a full guide on willpower and willpower is, is you know, that habit that we said it's resisting the bad desires. That will be super important and it'll get very deep because it's not just about, you know, not watching porn. It's like literally not losing your fucking soul to these influencers that you see. But you've probably seen this concept of old guys who have worked for their entire lives. And then at some point when they're 60 years old, they retire and their life actually gets worse afterwards because we need to keep working on something. There's the studies and you know things that I've I've read and, and looked on online, which I'll summarize for you, which is that no matter what our age is, we still have the ability to, to use what's called neuroplasty, which means kind of that we can update our brain with new beliefs and le and learning and wisdom. Everyone kind of understands this now, but you know, only a few years ago, people genuinely thought that your brain stops developing past like the age of 25, which is completely like just idiotic. Your brain develops. And in fact, your brain needs to develop every single year for your life. Otherwise you start having a shit existence. Those, those old people that you know, probably your parents, our parents, our great grandparents destroying their lives. Why? Because they don't fucking read because they don't learn, because they're just setting their own ways. Now they're dying. Now they're deteriorating. Now their health is getting worse. Now their brain is getting destroyed. Soon enough, they're gonna get Alzheimer's and they won't even remember your name. That's what happens when you don't keep learning and progressing. When you don't use your brain, it just starts to deteriorate. So we need to already have this mindset. We don't want to turn out like these old people that we see who, you know, like for example, it's kind of cute, but also not that, you know, like they literally don't know how to use phones and stuff. We might say that that's wholesome. It's not as wholesome as you think when you can see genuinely that they're experiencing like minor forms of brain damage because they're not learning. We should be old and we should know how to use the newest technologies because we're learning how to use it. Now, we shouldn't be addicted to them, of course. We, you know, we want to be wise enough not to be addicted to like VR porn or whatever the fuck, like um, AI sex bots or something when they come out. But we should know how to navigate AI or the, you know, whatever technology there is a hundred years from now. We should know how to use these things. We should continuously keep learning. And so if you can start to visualize that and almost write it down, to form a new identity for yourself, that you are a lifelong student, that you'll always keep learning. Because really ask yourself, people don't do this, but make a decision right now. Is that the life you want to live? Do you plan to stop learning and, and do you like want your brain to just stop developing at a certain age? Or do you want to set the intention that you'd probably like to keep learning and developing and enjoying and, and gaining wisdom every single day for the rest of your life and it'll probably make your life better and you'll probably live longer. Set that intention clear right now. I am a lifelong student. I'm gonna keep learning for as long as I live. I'm gonna be the 80 year old who's still reading books every single day. I'm gonna be the 90 year old who's still exercising, of course I am. People don't really set this intention and then they're surprised when life just hits them and they're fat and disgusting and stupid when they're 50 years old, never mind 70. And guess what the worst part of all this is? There's guys our age who are doing the same things. There's guys our age whose brains and bodies have already started to deteriorate. Not even 70 years old, not 50 years old, at 20 years old, 25 years old, they're literally poisoning themselves with alcohol every week. They take drugs, they're sleep deprived, they, they're fucking up their brain and their dopamine receptors. They're taking medications, which they don't even know the side effects of. 
content consumption and porn and video games, shit, disgusting food destroying their gut, wondering why they feel like shit all the time and why they have to cover it up with more and more substances. There's people our age who are already like acting as if they're 80 years old, like they've got like, you know, no, no time left now, you may as well just like slowly start killing yourself with substances. They're destroying their brain's ability to think and to learn. And these same people will complain when you make more money than them. And they'll say, oh, we should tax you. We should steal money from you. We should eat the rich. That's what they'll say. But they literally wear necklaces and <laughs> they literally wear these types of people. I know them. Okay. They literally wear necklaces, which has like a little small metal spoon, which is what they use to fucking key ket. Like key ket is a phrase where like there's ketamine, like a fucking party drug in the UK. And these little degenerates will put it into the bag of ket, like this drug, and so they can sniff it. They'll have a piece of fucking jewelry that they wear for easy access to be able to scoop drugs into their nose, already destroying their brains and their, their body's health. And they'll look to you when you make money and say that, oh yeah, you should be taxed more because it's unfair that you make more money. There's people who live like that right now. That's an extreme example, obviously, of like the total degenerates of the world. But the thing is that the 50-year-old who doesn't read a book is not far from that. The 50-year-old who's been drinking alcohol for the last 30, 35 years, he's not far from that. The first step to living a great life is to just set the intention and to be honest with yourself and say, you know what? This is the life I want to live. I want to be old and I want to be healthy and I want to still be able to go to the gym when I'm 90 years old. Because, they, bro, this this literally like a 92-year-old or some, like maybe 82-year-old African, um, I think he's from Kenya, who comes to my gym. I haven't seen him in a little while, actually, so maybe that's concerning. But, like, he comes to my gym and he does, like, an hour of cardio every day. And here we are, people our age literally do less than an hour of cardio a month. Let me tell you the story of two men. These two men are very similar. They both work at the same job. And after they finish their shift, they drive home. One of the men listens to the news. And then sometimes he also changes that to his Spotify playlist. And the other man listens to podcasts. The first guy's driving home, but before he gets home, he makes a stop to McDonald's. And he just picks up a small thing there, like a McFlurry. And he goes home and he just has that. The second guy drives home without that stop, without the McFlurry. The rest of the day is exactly the same. Imagine that, 100% the same. It's only the difference is what they're listening to in the car and whether or not they picked up like a little 200 calorie ice cream on the way home. In 20 years, the guy on the left is morbidly obese. Just an extra 100, 200 calories a day over like 10 years is like 50 pounds of fat. And that's if it literally stays with just like, you know, it's like it's in a vacuum. You only gain the 200. Naturally, you can imagine the fat ass who stops for ice cream every day is going to be more likely to also get other things as well. You know, it's going to compound not just like linearly, but also like he's going to be way more likely to cheat on his diet even more. Not only that, he's actually working in the exact same job 20 years later because he's not learning. The other guy listens to a podcast for 30 minutes on his way back home. He's listening to Chris Williamson podcast, Deep Dive with Ali Abdal. He's listening to something intelligent. And with that, he got one promotion after let's say four years, then one more, then one more. And he makes at least triple what this guy does. He, he still makes like 45K a year, decades later. This guy makes like 120K. 
This guy's actually relatively in shape. This guy's morbidly obese and we only change two variables, literally just what you listen to in the car for 30 minutes a day and whether or not you stop to pick up ice cream. And we're saying that this is all like in a vacuum. Because again, the person listening to the music is probably going to be much more likely to be a degenerate and sex obsessed. You know, that's the state of music these days. He's also going to be listening to the news, which means that his cortisol is higher, which means his sleep's worse, his performance and work is worse, his relationships are worse. So it's a lot more of an effect than we think. But even if we're just being nice to this guy, literally just the objective facts is that he makes three times less and he's three times as fat as this one with those two small changes. That's the compound effect in action. You don't see much day to day. You can have the ice cream and it doesn't actually do much to your physique right now but if you do that two three four times a week if you go to mcdonald's like you know once a week compared to the guy who doesn't go at all if you have that extra little bit of sugar every single day you know 20 percent of your calories on junk food and 80 percent on unhealthy food that's when over years it makes a much bigger difference so it's your gift to your future self to be thinking about the compound effect and thinking that small choices will really change your future self's life a lot. Here's an actionable step for you. Decide one good small thing that you could do, very small. I'm talking the equivalent of like 50 calories. For example, you could go for a walk every single day for just 10 minutes, that's it. What's a good habit that's small that you could start to do every single day for the rest of your life? Maybe it's three minutes of meditation. Maybe it's five minutes of prayer. Maybe it's five minutes of deep breathing or it's five minutes of reading. Maybe it's five minutes of walking outside. Maybe it's five minutes of just playing with your dog with no distractions at all. What's a very small thing for less than five minutes? And then also, what's a bad habit that you'll stop doing? A very small bad habit. Maybe it's putting sugar in your coffee or your tea. Maybe it's using like one of those bullshit artificial sweeteners, which are as bad as sugar, or even worse, because it's just got weird chemicals in. Maybe you just stop doing that. Maybe you stop putting in whole milk, which is full of estrogenic materials. You know, they've put stuffed the cow full of disgusting stuff and it's been bottled in plastic and everything. Maybe you just stop putting milk in your coffee. These two changes, if you can make it easy enough to literally follow them every single day for the rest of your life, and of course, knowing you're probably still gonna miss like a thousand days, you'll be significantly, very significantly different 20 years from now, more than you'd realize. You know why? Just if we do the math, that literally just, you know, the splash of milk that you put into your coffee is like 30 calories, 50 calories, right? If we just do the math, that if you had that every single day for 10 years, for 50, like 20 years, 30 years, there's the difference of like literally 50 pounds of pure fat, but, and never mind the estrogenic testosterone killing effects of milk and everything. But also we know that one decision often leads to the next. And so if you stop, for example, putting in artificial sweeteners, you know, like two grams of sugar in your coffee every single day, because of the impact of that, you'd be more likely to create another really good change and another one and another one, and you become so different. I wanna give you some hope. Now, I'm a little bit older than a lot of the guys who watch me. On average, our audience is quite young. It's like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. I'm 26. I'm telling you right now, by the time you get to about 25, 26 years old, that's when you really start to first see the difference between you and the men your age. You know, when you're 18 years old, you don't see much. A lot of it's actually quite based on like genetics and early positive feedback loops. There's like, there's an absolute imbecile who's more popular than you and might even make more money than you when you're 18 or 20 or 21 years old because they got the positive feedback loop. You know, there's there's a guy who's kind of attractive, but he's kind of like, like brain dead and he doesn't even work hard and he's getting more girls than you when you're 16 years old or even when you're 21 years old because he's got nicer hair, he's got a jawline, he's, you know, he's like more attractive. 
give it another like five years when the compound effect takes off. Once you get to around like you're closer to your late twenties, it starts to become apparent when you see that like everyone you went to high school with, or let's say 90% of the people that you go to high school with have gained like 20 pounds, 30 pounds of pure fat because they've been drinking every single weekend for the last fucking eight years. Even more because in these degenerate cultures in the UK, for example, people drink when they're like 15, 14 years old. So people my age have been drinking most weeks for about 12 years. Now I'm still guilty of this because I drank heavily for a few years when I went to university and I was a, like a degenerate and everything. But for the past few years, it's been very min minimal. For the last like, what, seven, eight months, it's been absolutely zero. The compound effect is showing in my life and the people that I come across. And I think this is just the start. I wonder what it's gonna be like five or 10, 20 years from now. I'm a patient guy. 20 years from now, what's it gonna be when I'm the guy who just, I meditate 20 minutes every single morning. I don't miss it anymore. What's that one change gonna lead to 20 years from now? This is what excites me of like the future of being on self-improvement, of watching stuff like this, of implementing these small things. If you are a long-term thinker, which you probably are if you've watched, you know, like two hours of this video so far, there's a lot of power in these small changes. And I know that, you know, like we shouldn't be in the vibe of looking down at other people, but you can't help but in a, in a way feel sad, but also in a way just feel super fucking happy that you're part of the enlightened group who understands the compound effect of self-improvement, of Kaizen, of progressive overload because the people that you've went to school with don't. And if you're younger than me right now, like right now it's gonna seem like this stuff isn't doing much because they're better than you in quite a lot of ways. And the difference will be fucking huge. And that's the start. Then every year after that, that's when, you know, like, cause the compound effect starts becoming exponential. That's when it starts to show. And it's like, suddenly they're 35. They've actually got like serious health problems They've had their first like major health scare right now. And here you are in the best health of your entire life because you've been improving your sleep for the past 10 years, 15 years. You've been exercising consistently for 15 years. You've been trying to improve your diet. You quit porn fucking 14 years ago. Compare that to the average guy who 10 years from now is literally gonna be addicted to like the, the, most, <laughs> the, uh, the most unreal sex bots available. There's a good future ahead for the guys who commit themselves to self-improvements. Step five, when you become successful. So imagine that you've been grinding away for a long time. You've been developing yourself, you've been disciplining yourself, and you've been moderating your desires. Eventually, you build the success that you've wanted all this time. You build the physique, you get the girl, you make the money, you get the status. This is where discipline matters most. And this is also where hardworking guys end up messing up. Because when you get those things that you thought you wanted, that's when you take your foot off the pedal. That's when you stop grinding as hard. That's when you get distracted. Success, mark my words when I say this, success leads to opportunities that will destroy your success. Let me give you an example. Let's say there's a young man who wants to be an entrepreneur 
and he starts working super, super hard. He's literally living at home with his parents and he's grinding away. He wakes up, he does a bunch of deep work. He just does, you know, like a quick like workout that's really good for his brain. He's eating a very simple diet and he's just grinding on this business that means a lot to him. And he does that literally for months and months and months, reads books, constantly learns, you know, limits the input that's coming in from other people. And he's just working on this one goal of making 10K a month, 20K a month, 30K a month. And his business actually eventually, after a long time, starts to do really well. What might happen to this young man? He's gonna upgrade his lifestyle. He might end up getting a nice girlfriend and she might not be nice. Suddenly he's got a watch that he wants to show off on Instagram and he's got a car and he's got this like nice little dinner and these things seem nice and yet he isn't waking up early and working on his business anymore. He's completely distracted. He's not doing the thing that caused him to, to have this momentum. And it's awesome, you know, I mean, the money's coming in, you know, Stripe notification to the group chat, to the, like, you know, the Instagram and the YouTube thumbnails, everyone's validating him. And what he's not realizing is right now he's riding on the success of his younger self, but he's not adding to it. He's not planting more seeds so that his future self can still have ripe fruit. He's stopped planting. What happens? One month, two months, three months from now, the momentum starts to drop. He isn't doing what got him here. And worse than that, he might end up going too far into the distractions. He might, for example, this happens to so many guys and you need to take this seriously. He might end up getting the wrong girl pregnant. Because when he had less success, when he was less disciplined, no girls were into him. And as he started to become more disciplined, which can happen to you, suddenly more girls are into him. But he hasn't really, like, you know, really clarified it in his mind of the risks that could come about this. Now, obviously, if it ends up being like this beautiful relationship and they want to have children, that's obviously different. But let's say, for example, this wasn't part of his plan. He didn't expect to have children right now, but he was just being a bit foolish, careless, idiotic. So he gets a woman pregnant. He's bought a car that's $50,000, maybe $75,000. And now he needs that money back. You see the same thing so often with athletes. There's an athlete right now who's training maybe two, three times a day. He's stretching. He literally goes to this sweaty, like kind of almost run down gym and he trains hard as hell there. He comes back and he does stretches at home. He's eating the perfect diet. He's obsessing over it. He's reading the books, listening to audio programs, mentally visualizing. He's putting in the work and then he actually gets the success because these are the things that cause the success. So he ends up playing really well in, in you know, the game of basketball or he, he joins the UFC or something and he does really well. But then the fame... The women, the, the parties, sex, money, opportunities, all these things that he thought he wanted, they come into his life and he starts to indulge. And then you see pictures of Conor McGregor and he's there, you know, drinking and he's at the party and everything. Everyone wants to take pictures with him. And what happens? Because whilst he's there staying up late, there's another athlete who's still in the sweaty gym who's still coming home and stretching and then going back to the, the sweaty gym after that. And what happens when these two men compete with each other? The guy who's still focused, who's still disciplined, is going to destroy him. 
And so right now you might get, you know, a little bit depressed hearing this because you might be thinking, and correct me if I'm wrong, right? You might be thinking, but then when do I get to enjoy the success? You know, it, like I understand, you can probably understand this concept of like success can lead to the distractions, but you might be getting really upset thinking like, but like, that's the point of it, right? That's the point. Like, you know, I, I want to be able to experience the women and the parties and, and you know, the status and the money and everything, right? Again, this is when you may realize if we have the maturity to, to, you know, be the enlightened ones, that the reward for discipline was never the material success. That's what the average person's ambition is. The Instagram likes, the, the woman open up her, her legs. That's it. This is like a normal person's ambition. Maybe a superior man's ambition is personal fulfillments, progression to realizing and, and opening and, and embodying your purpose as a man. You've heard about how important purpose is. Maybe that's the reward of discipline. It's nowhere near as cool. It's not going to get you as many likes on Instagram. But it will mean that you will die with a smile on your face rather than the man who looks back and thinks, man, I, I could have been the champion. And yet the cocaine and the pretty women with fake titties got me just like every other stupid man who becomes successful. If my younger self was watching this right now, a few years ago, this is the point where he'd lose interest because it just, he would not be able to comprehend what I'm saying here because his mind was all about the material desires and I really want to help you with this. I will have a full guide to willpower. That's what we're going to talk about, like resisting these like bad desires. And trust me when I say, when you see that full guide come out, willpower full guide, it's blowing my mind of what I'm learning in it. But I, let me just give you like a quick, like little bit here. The desires that form in your mind will take you away from the things that are more important. These desires that you have, you know, the idea is, okay, we're being disciplined because if we're totally honest, because we'd like to fuck, because we'd like to be invited to the party, because we'd like the Instagram likes or, you know, the nice handshake from another guy. Where's that desire really coming from? Genuinely, where, where is the desire really coming from for this validation, you know, the girl and the the cocaine at the party where's the desire coming from probably from somewhere in childhood because like a six-year-old friend that you had didn't invite you to a birthday party and that's like a wound that we've kept deep inside of us so 10 15 years later we're here now dedicating ourselves 12 hours a day of work to try and get like the same equivalent of that that's the wound that's directing our adult lives if you throw all away the immaturity there and you really think to yourself like what is it that i want out of life it's probably not to have stupid, unintelligent people next to you. It probably is definitely to be financially well off. And I, I think that's a pretty good desire, but it probably isn't, you know, if you peel back the bullshit, it probably isn't to be like rich. 10K a month, 50K a month, you know, every everyone in your family is retired, fantastic. Past that point, it's like, what is the gain of more money at that point? Right now, if you make more money just because you're contributing more value to the, the world, yeah, sure. But then at that point, it's like the focus changes to contribution, to your craft, to your fulfillment and, you know, to achieve flow state every day. But a lot of guys get distracted when they get here. You can choose to stick at the level you're at right now and to enjoy that level, 
or you can twist and you can actually reach for the next level the next level of discipline, the next level of dedication and sacrifice. And this seems so weird, right? So you could get to a, a point, let's say you've got a six pack, you're making 75K a year. There's girls on Instagram who are messaging you first. You've got nice hair, like, genuinely visualize this. You literally get a notification on Instagram where there's that autistic rating, but there's a 6.5 girl who's in your city who's literally messaging you flirty. You could probably bang tonight. The majority of guys will stay here. So do you know how easy it is to fucking destroy them? Most guys, as soon as they get to the level where they start getting some attention from women, they'll stick there. And then what happens? The six pack turns into a four pack. The 75K a year in their business starts going down because they stopped doing the thing, waking up early, being dedicated, meditating and everything that got them there. You know, one night off, of course, is absolutely fine. But when you're consistently two, three nights a week, you're waking up late because, you know, that girl came over again and you had like some wine or alcohol or sugar with her. And like, imagine that micro habit along an entire year compared to that like monk mode, like spiritual focus that you had. That's sticking with where you're at now. And the thing is, sticking with where you are now is a myth because if you stick with where you are now, you naturally will just get worse. You know, that like there's a phrase which says like maintenance is a myth. Like, like just maintaining in life is a myth because everyone else is still more competitive. So if you are number 50, you can't just stay at number 50 by like, you know, maintaining because there's other guys who are competitive in life. And so when someone else beats you, you're 51, then 52, right? So you can stick here and enjoy some of the results of like, this point in life, let's say this point in life is 60% of your potential. Most guys don't even get here. Most guys genuinely get to like 25 to 35% of their potential and they stop there. Why? Because there's a girl that they genuinely consider a five or a six out of 10 and they'll stop there. Again, I'm not saying these like ratings to be like mean or anything. This is just, you know, to explain things. They'll stop there. Some of the more ambitious guys will go one level up. They'll get the six pack. They'll get to 12% body fat and then they'll stop there. They've got a girl who's 6.5, who's a seven now. And you know, this is absolutely fine. And then they'll stop working as hard. Then they'll relax. It takes a true killer to get to the point where like you have a huge success and you're still just fucking disciplining yourself. Not even for the greed, not even for the money but for the journey that it takes you on, for the simple desire of actually wanting to see what your potential is. And this is where I'm pretty proud of myself. Because when I started this journey a good few years ago, you know, being on self-improvement and being productive, genuinely, I'm not lying when I say, I did it for girls. I did it because I wanted to get laid. I stuck at these like earlier levels and I was gonna be happy there. But there was this voice that maybe it's internal, maybe it was something that was built inside of me. If I was gonna say something, I think this voice came from a lot of introspectiveness because I do a lot of meditation and journaling and also from wise mentors. Like I don't have any real mentors, but I just read a lot of books. Reading, not watching YouTube is a very different thing. I read a lot of books from intelligent people. And by these two things of introspectiveness and wisdom, I couldn't ever stay like stuck at the level that I was at with the success that I do have. I'm still waking up at 5 a.m. every day. I still live at home with my parents because 
I did level up my life. I did stick there. I did get the apartment in Dubai. Genuinely, I moved to Dubai and everything. I did get the $10,000 a month apartment in Dubai. I did post the pictures of the Rolex and you know, the nice shirt and everything. I did that. I did make the mistake, right? But I got myself out of it after two months of doing that and realizing like that's a stupid life and that it was just a distraction from what got me here. It made me realize and like reframe my mind, which I really want to happen to you at this point. If you started getting like a good level of success, you might be watching this if you've not got that just yet, but there's gonna be a time if you follow the principles from this full guide that you do get like a really good level of success. And this concept is probably hopefully gonna be in your mind thinking, should I stick or should I twist here? Should I just start enjoying my life now? And I wanna reframe your mind. This is not about abstinence. This is not about like hating yourself and not rewarding yourself and not enjoying yourself. I think this is the opposite way. I think the best enjoyment in life comes from when you continuously keep disciplining yourself, not when you like reward yourself in what the modern world considers the reward. From what we like, you know, our perception of what the reward and of what enjoying success is, genuinely, our perception of it is so incredibly cancerous. We think it's spending all the money. We think it's buying like the, the nice car and stuff. And, you know, it's like taking the holiday and everything. And these things seem nice. But when you really think why we have these desires, it's literally just because we like, you know, the nice car, if we're totally honest, you know, every guy will cope and say, no, but I really like the exhaust engine and whatever. The truth is, if we're really honest, the nice car, the, the reason why we're spending a 100k or however much on a nice car that you know the dream car that we've got the reason why is because we're hoping that someone on the street does this that that little neck turn is why we'll go and sacrifice our future we're hoping that a girl just slightly opens up her legs for us and we're thinking yep see valid like i'm nice and validated see i am worthy of love after all because there was that one day that my mother when i was four years old didn't respond to my tears and this is why i need this woman with her stinky hole today this is where most men are headed towards. And it's utterly important for you to induce some stoicism right now and to really start to clarify your desires. But I think that the best life we may be able to have is one of continuous discipline to ever strive for more, not material success, but more from ourselves. To realize the potential that we could get to. To realize that it was never about these material desires, the money, the status, the subscribers. It was never about that. It was about having something challenging that we actually liked that hopefully contributed to the world in some way. When you reframe your mind with the things you're disciplining and you start to see them purely for this thing of like, I want to challenge myself. I want to get better. I want to contribute to the world in some way. That's when I think you start to feel like you're getting rewarded every single time you work. People see you working, you're actually just playing. You see the guys who are at the absolute top of like, you know, every niche of sport, of business, whatever. It's playtime for them. They have more fun than everyone else. Why? Because to them, it genuinely is enjoyable because they don't care about the results. When you really look at the best businessmen out there, not the ones who are the loudest, who get the most views on Instagram and you know YouTube. These are like literally petty influencers. A lot of them are lying about their success. But when you see like the top tier, like we're talking hundreds of billions, fucking Sam Walton, the guy who made Walmart and that, like, you know, Jeff Bezos and stuff, bro, they don't party. They wear the same clothes every day. They literally like to wake up and, and experience their life, their day-to-day. -day. That's what their reward is. Imagine the strength of a man 
who what he wants out of life is his day-to-day -day routine compared to the strength of the man who wants the fancy car, who needs the private jet, who wants the, you know, the group of women in his Instagram picture because that validates him in some way. Those things can be nice. You know, you can say, oh, I'm just coping. I'm, I'm a brokey. I don't have those things. You can, you can believe that if you want. But I wish my younger self was able to watch this guide because I'd tell him one thing right now. When you use discipline consistently, you will build the success. And when you build the success, the distractions will come. And if you do get distracted by them, you'll lose the success, you'll lose the discipline, and you'll just go back down. And what a horrible life that is to just choose, like, you know, the this little tiny puny mountain that is nowhere near your capability to climb up and then down again. And then, you know, a few years later when you get pissed off and you realize, oh man, I've just wasted three years with this degenerate woman, you know, like this shit relationship that I'm in and I got kind of fat again. Let's climb up the mountain again and then let's get to like level six and then let's go down again. Let's get to level six again and let's go down again. Let's get to level six again and let's go down again. This is most people's experiences and my experience for a very long time. How about getting to level seven? How about getting to level eight and nine and 10 and, and, and to infinity? That is how you start to find your purpose. I believe this is how you start to find God. I believe this is how you start to find like genuine fulfillments in life. So for this actionable step, let's do a visualization together. Whatever you're working hard on right now, if you imagine yourself that you finally got the real world material success that you thought that you wanted all this time. If you've been working hard on your fitness journey, maybe it's the physique, maybe it's the Instagram followers of your fitness page. If you've been working hard in business, then maybe it's the money and you know, it's the Instagram pictures of you and the car and the watch. Maybe it's the girl. And after a few weeks of this or months of this, how's it gonna feel when you finally look back to the analytics, the data, and you realize that you've genuinely significantly backtracked? You're not waking up at 5am anymore now, are you? Because you've already got the girl. So what's going to happen to all of the material success then? The girl, the money, the car, the likes. When you're not doing the things to maintain that. Step 5.1. Slow down. A friend of mine and a very intelligent man who's really good at business... Uh, his name's Andrew Kirby, and he gave me some advice that I want to give you here. I sent him a message saying, you know, he knows quite a lot about me and my business. And I said to him, like, you know, what's some advice you'd have for me at this stage? And his advice was, slow down. That the success that I had gotten so far was probably largely due to the fact that I was quite fast. I was fast to implement things. If I had an idea like this new business or this type of video, I'd implement it very quickly, which meant that I was someone who was taking action. I was an action taker. At the start of business, at the start of like your journey in any endeavor for discipline, that is amazing. Later on, when you've already started to see success, that's actually really, really bad. So in his text message back to me, he said, in the early days, you're like a speedboat. It's very important that you can correct course and be able to like realign yourself and you know, move quickly. But once you've built the success, it's more like a cruise ship. Set the direction and go there. You don't want to stop and alter courses too often. Thinking about that analogy, 
If you're closer to the start of this journey in some area, let's say with fitness, it's way better for you to move like a speedboat, be quick. For example, you get the thought, maybe I want to start going to the gym. You sign up to the gym immediately and literally go within 24 hours from now. You get the thought, maybe I want to try martial arts. You sign up to the gym and go literally within 24 hours from now. The same with, you know, there's going to be so many guys watching this who want to be YouTubers and they've been thinking about this for the last literally year. The route to success, like in these early levels is literally just shut the fuck up and just start immediately, speedboat, go fast, make your first video within 24 hours from now, and then you'll start to, you know, feel it out, you'll start to see what's happening. But if you're specifically watching this because you're later in this, in this journey, or you know that you'll eventually get here, going fast is actually gonna be a detriment. And this is something which I'm struggling with because when you've been fast, that's how you get that earlier success, but soon going fast is a bad thing. When I go fast now, it's chaotic. When I go fast, I end up literally like abandoning a whole product that I've made. And I literally have refunded over a hundred people in one day. Not only did I like literally like 20 or 30 or however much thousand it was left my like bank account in one day, but also it just took like fucking six hours to go through like every, imagine like manually going through it, like, you know, for my assistant and I did it as well because it was just like a really, really hectic day. You don't want to experience something like that. And that's because when you get these ideas and these new fantasies and, and, you know, like this new project that you want to build on at this level, it's actually important for you to slow down and to really question it and to journal it and to ask a bunch of questions. And so the way that I personally do this now is with what I call a decision making framework. It's essentially, it's just a list of questions that I ask myself when I'm making a decision so that I end up making decisions quite slower instead of, you know, just the decision being just in my mind. And often those are based on like emotions. You've probably heard like you could literally have an emotion because you ate sugar yesterday or you had like too much coffee this morning. And that emotion coupled with some sleep deprivation coupled with a bit of influence from something you've seen online maybe one of my videos you end up like literally like deciding on a decision that changes your future without realizing it probably just happened because you ingested sugar yesterday at this level right now any of these extra desires in your mind any of these extra decisions could be extremely chaotic and they could be very stupid and so my decision making framework which i'll walk you through right now as an actionable step is one way where it forces me to take a, like a few minutes to be sat here. Often I do it first thing in the morning when I'm literally just here in front of my computer with like the, the list of messages, like the list of questions that I have to put a decision through and I'll walk you through it right now. Here's the exact like step-by-step -step protocol, but what I do, right? So for example, my mind could have just generated a thought, like a desire of, should I make this new product? Should I change the style of my videos? These are huge, huge questions to be thinking about. So this is what I put them through. I get the thought and I come into a notes page. Doesn't matter which software you use. I literally just use the normal iPhone notes. You don't need anything fancy. And I put that as the title. I, I literally just write it as a question. Should I change the videos from what they are now to this new style that I'm thinking of in my mind? And this is a series of questions that I ask myself. First of all, what's the question or what's the decision to be made? Just write it out. By the way, this is probably about 50% of the battle. If you write the, the decision out on paper, on PC, normally like you've just instantly left this like 
weak emotional state and you're looking at it logically. So this is the most important question. Just write it out. What's the question? What's the decision? The second question is, where did this thought stem from originally? Was it something someone said to you? Something you saw from others on social media? Try and dig to find its origins. You know how important this question is? Like, where did this desire come from? Because sometimes I've wrote down, there was someone in the gym who was bigger than me. And then I'm realizing how stupid it is. Or I've wrote down, I saw like a fucking Andrew Tate short and that's where this desire, this decision has come from. And I'm like, okay, that's probably a stupid like place to make a decision from. So just by writing, okay, I saw something on social media, you kind of realize like, oh yeah, this, this decision's probably stupid as fuck because it's come from like, you know, like a low quality place. The third question is what is the dream result? So of this area, what is already like your big goal in it? So for example, for me with YouTube, it might be like a specific goal. Like I want to get to 5 million subscribers next year, or it might be, for example, more of a wholesome intention of like, you know, I want to contribute to the body of knowledge. What is like the end point that you're first trying to get to. Then an interesting question, think about alternative options to achieve the same result. So I, I've got the dream result, you know, the 5 million subscribers. And the question is, you know, should I change my videos in this style that I'm currently thinking of? But this question, think about the alternative option. Suddenly I'm bullet pointing. Well, I could probably just continue doing the same videos. I could change them completely to this new idea. I could maybe post one video with this new idea instead of changing it completely. That sounds way more like reasonable. I could, you know, ask people on the community post what they'd think about it and I'd probably get a thousand replies. So that'd be pretty good data. And suddenly you start to think, okay, probably this decision that's in my mind is probably a, a little bit too extreme. There's alternative options that I can consider instead of needing to do this exact thing that my mind is fantasizing on. Then I have more like an actionable step for myself, which th this is exactly what it reads. If this is a big decision of high leverage, go and get a response from a smart person first and see what they say about this decision. And so I've got a list of like smart people that I know. We've got Andrew, we've got Victor, Sam Ovens, Chris Williamson, my brother, the my girl, ChatGBT. Literally ChatGBT is like a smart person that I ask these questions to because sometimes I've had these decisions and big desires and I've ended up speaking to like one of these intelligent people and they'll be like, Hamza, you're overthinking. This is like way too dramatic or something like that. You know, like another person who's not emotionally invested into this will look from the outside and tell you, no, 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 your, your thinking's not right here. It might be better doing it like this. What's making you think that? Ah, then I have a question. What would my 85 year old self think about this decision? This is something I learned from Alex Hamozi, like one of his videos, he spoke about this, where you think of like this grandpa frame, when you're imagining yourself either really elderly or maybe on your deathbed, what would you think about this decision? Is it minor? Would you look back and think like, okay, this was just stupid. Oftentimes this kind of calibrates my life a bit differently because right now I'm super work obsessed. Like that's where I am in life. But when I ask this question, what would my 85 year old self think of this decision? And for example, the decision is something that might take me away from my family or my girl or friends or something. I'll often ask myself, what would my 85 year old self think? And I'd write, oh yeah, he'd probably think it was just silly that like I already had quite a lot of success and money and subscribers. Why was I sacrificing something that mattered more? And finally, the last point of this framework that you can copy to make decisions is literally just the text which says decision made with a colon. And the idea is that I just write like, okay, what I've decided on. This here takes a few minutes, but it takes you out of this emotional state and it makes you slow down. And just that could be Honestly, like this might save you years of your life. You might end up like, you know, because decisions are really how we become successful. Decisions is, you know, it's discipline. What are you going to decide today? Is it the easy path or the hard path? Are you going to decide the long-term thing or the short-term thing? 
when you become slightly better at decisions just because you've got a framework like this, your life might change forever. So I'm actually very happy to share that with you. And I really do hope it serves you as well as it served me. Step 5.2, be strict with yourself, but tolerant with others. By this point, you've already started to build a great level of discipline and you've started to see the success of that, which is wonderful. This is where many young guys, they've asked me, how do they get their parents on self-improvement? How do they get their friends to start working out and quitting these bad habits? Through my years of doing this work, I've always advised, you know, let's help them, let's do this, try and do this, try and do this. And I'm slightly ashamed, but I understand now that I have never been able to help someone in this situation. Every young man, which is over maybe 100 or 200 by now that I, you know, I've spoke to of this specific problem, comments and video calls and whatever, right? It has always failed. Like our plan to help this young man help someone else, it's always failed. Why? Because you can be strict with yourself. You really want this, right? You really want to improve your life. You really want to get the success and everything. You're here watching a video like this. And so me giving you this advice and being a bit strict with you works. But the people in your life, your friends, your family, they don't care as much. They might say that they like they want this, but they really don't. I understand how saddening and depressing it is seeing the people you love waste away. But you can't force anyone to get onto self-improvement and be disciplined and to delay gratification. These things are hard enough when you really want them. And so when there's someone who doesn't even want them as much, there's not much hope there. But there is something practical that we can do. You set a fantastic example. You lead by example. You keep disciplining yourself. You keep getting to the next level. You don't indulge in the desires that arise, you know, the success that leads to the distractions. You keep disciplining yourself. And maybe, hopefully, one day, the people that we love will be inspired by that. And that's when they'll come towards us. That's when they'll really, really want to change. And that's when we can maybe help them. When I moved back home here to my parents' house when I was 22 years old, I was a very different man than what my family knew. My family knew me as like, you know, the video gamer and they'd probably smelt like my room smelling of cum for 10 years, right? And suddenly I came back with this idea of being disciplined and, you know, I'm doing these crazy things that, you know, it was lockdown, but I would literally get a weighted backpack and just go for runs and I'd go run specifically through like wet, muddy fields and everything just to get uncomfortable. And I remember this moment when I started waking up super early and it felt amazing to do it, you know, really disciplined and I felt really strong. I'm listening to Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins and I, um, I wake up, it's, you know, the silent, quiet enthusiasm of the nighttime or of the morning time. It's like 5 a.m. and I go downstairs and I've got my earphones in, listening to Can't Hurt Me and I'm filling up the water bottle. And my dad walks in. Now my dad wakes up super early, 5 a.m., 4.30, whatever, and he's gonna go drive the taxi. And he walks in through the kitchen and he's almost like taken aback. You know, he's probably shocked because he's never seen me awake at the same time that he's, he wakes up at 4.30 to work, right? And his youngest son, the guy who's been a degenerate for as much as he's known me, who's been addicted to video games, is there in gym clothes with earphones on, filling up my bottle. And he says, like, wait, what? Oh, like, oh, you're awake. Couldn't you sleep? I remember saying to him, like, oh, no, I'm going for a run. And his, his, I promise you, the noise he went, he made was, eh? Like, you know, like Asian parents, eh? Yeah. Yeah, about that. 
<laughs> he says, you know, he's asking me like if I'm okay and everything and cut a nice sleep. I said, no, 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 like I woke up on purpose. It's pitch black outside. This is not something that, you know, me or my family do, like, you know, this hard discipline stuff. It's pitch black. It's probably cold. And still, I literally went for a run at this point. Fast forward a few years from that moment. And my dad's went through a transformation of, of his own. He's reduced how much alcohol he drinks. He's improved his diet. I see him training. He goes to the gym. He plays badminton. And for most of all, for the like the biggest thing that he cares about is cricket. And over the last year, he kept on sharing like screenshots to our family group chat of like these, um, you know, the websites that post like a cricket results, like a match results. And his team keeps winning and he keeps getting like man of the match and he's like, he's the bowler and he keeps getting like uh, promoted or what, you know, like recognized. He's the team captain now. Now, of course, this is his, this is his effort, of course, but I can see like, maybe, you know, I'm taking a bit of the credit, who knows, but like, I can see a bit of a link between like me being there at 5am and, and being this excellent example for myself and for my family and for the world. And my dad, and maybe in, hopefully in some ways getting inspired by that and thinking, yeah, like, you know, we, yeah, we work hard. Yeah. We kind of like exercise and everything. And he, like W in the chat is what all these internet people say. My dad is the team captain of his cricket club now. So yeah, that's just my story, man. It's, I think that's the best way to help the people that you love. Set a fantastic example. Step six, what to do when you fall off. At any point during this journey, whether it's straight away or when you've built up a good level of success, there must be a bit when this climb starts to dip down. There must be, you know, when you look at the, the graph of success in any area, weight loss, business, subscribers, whatever, hopefully you see over time, it goes like this, right? Sweet. When you zoom in and you see like, you know, really what it looked like day to day, it's like this. It literally feels random. If you've ever tracked your body weight every single day on like a bathroom scale, you know, so you're seeing how much you weigh, you know this, right? It's not like it's just exactly like 170 pounds and it goes down by 0.15 pounds every single day, it's, you know, so it's completely like linear, it's not. It's so weird, it's like you could eat the same calories, drink the same amount of water, and for some reason, your weight tomorrow will be two pounds lower, even though like you ate like a cheat meal today. And you know, it's like, it's always like this until you zoom out and it's been a week, it's been a month, now you see like more of a trend. This is what we need to get used to. There's going to be many days where you feel like you've fallen off. It's that. It's this, like this, this day. And so what do you do? Because for a lot of guys, when they experience this day, that's when they'll change their plan. That's when they'll be too fast. That's when they'll start thinking, oh, you know, I've got to hurt myself more. I've got to, you know, I'll double the, the cardio and I'll eat even less and I'll, you know, I'll do this. I'll, I'll get super, super hard, right? That's the wrong mindset. Because the better thing to do when you experience a day like this is to try your best to stick to the exact same plan as before. Is to understand that some of the days are gonna be like this and some of the days are gonna be like that. And they'll average out if your plan was set in the right direction. M many people will change their plan on the first bad day. And then again, it's like that same concept of just moving too fast, making too many like shallow decisions and they're all over the place and they're all like fickle with their plans and their goals. That being said, if you notice yourself falling off at least more than like a few days in a row, it's been weeks, it's been months, for example, since you last meditated. Let's say you got into meditation at some point earlier this year, and then you like you literally just haven't meditated in so long. Many people will live with that regret inside of their mind and not really do much for it. Defining the problem is three quarters of the answer. 
just answer, like literally just writing down the problem. So if you're here right now and specifically, you know, you've got this vague pain in your mind of like, I've been slacking in meditation for the last six months. You just taking that from your mind and writing it down, pen, piece of paper, or like I use iPhone notes. I've missed most of my meditation sessions for the last six months. Why? Then your brain will actually start to be productive. Why have I missed it? I don't really want to do them. I don't find them fun. I'm not sure if they're actually that productive. Then you start asking more questions. Is this reasonable? Is it rational? Is it logical? Probably not because, you know, I know the scientific research meditation is proven to be effective. Maybe I'm just coping. Maybe I'm, I'm just procrastinating, but I just don't know why I'm not getting consistent in it. Then you ask some more questions. You almost have like a step-by-step, -step, you know, as we did with the decisions, but with like, I've fallen off framework. What could I do to get back on easier? Well, I could start doing meditation in my morning routine again because I was really consistent when I did that. I could reduce the time that I meditate for because in my mind, like it's hard to start meditating with 20 minutes again. But if I started with like three minutes for the first week, I could easily do three minutes. And, you know, a week from now, I could do five minutes. And two weeks from then, I could do 10 minutes. And, you know, a month or two months from now, if I just maintain 10 minutes a day, that's already really good. But I reckon two months from now, I could probably be back at 20 minutes a day again. Maybe the, the problem is just that, like, it's too hard to get back into right now, which makes sense. And, you know, your brain starts ticking and it starts saying like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that that's really reasonable. This is like a really practical way to get back to it. I can just progressively overload if I made it super easy today. And you have like four new strategies to get back to it. Most people will literally like see themselves not being disciplined. They'll keep messing up on their goals. They'll keep getting into a rut and they'll never really just ask their brain properly with, you know, pen and piece of paper and like note taking or whatever. Why is this happening? Most people just keep it inside of their brain. And your brain's thoughts at times like this is always very jumbled. It's kind of like if you imagine, you know, like a pair of earphones, like wired earphones, and you put them in your pocket and then you, you bring them out and it's like all in like a ball. That's what your brain's thoughts are like. And here's you like looking at the ball and like, you know, you're getting stressed that, that it's a ball every day. Writing things down is like when you take those earphones and you start to unravel them. And here they are now organized. That's... 80% of the battle. So if you've been getting this thought for the last while of like, oh man, you know, I'm not consistent in this thing. I keep slacking in my workouts. You know, my workout performance is trash. I keep skipping my diet, whatever it is, right? I keep relapsing. Just asking the question, why is this happening? Why am I going through this pain? Why am I specifically relapsing? Why am I grabbing my phone halfway through the day, lying in bed and then ending up relapsing again? And the answer might be so like simple. You might just literally just say like, oh, it's cause like, I'm just bored because at 4 PM I've got nothing good to do. So I just get bored and I just end up fapping again. How could I solve that? I could have something to do at 4 PM, like go on a walk or read. Okay, let's try it tomorrow. So this is exactly what you do. If you find yourself falling off, you create yourself a I've messed up system. You've got like these few reminders that you can have. You only need them on for like a couple of days till it becomes, you know, like a bit more clear that that's the new habit that you're gonna have. And then finally, but very importantly, you document this mess up, this rut somewhere that you can look back on. Again, iPhone notes works really well. 
You make almost like this bank of like times that you've messed up and principles and frameworks that you've used to come out of it. So that preferably you never go through the same problem again. Imagine if you literally just, just literally a folder on your iPhone notes or, you know, folder on Notion or maybe a, a journal. I would suggest doing it on um, technology, which is rare for me to say. If you watch a bunch of my videos, you know for a fact I don't often say like, hey, do this on technology instead of paper. The reason why I suggest doing it with technology like iPhone notes or Notion, because then you can search. So so if you make like a new folder in one of these like note taking apps and have it something to do with like, I messed up in quotation marks, I messed up. You can then start to document with each time that you feel like you've messed up, what happened, why it happened, the decisions and frameworks and mindsets, and then how you were able to resolve it if it was actually resolved and what was the effective thing. So that this way, six months down the line, if you catch yourself thinking like, oh man, I've not been meditating again. Wasn't this a problem I used to have? You go to that folder, you search for meditation. Since it's a computerized system, there's a one for like how I started meditating again. You see, oh yeah, like I did, I fell off meditation and then I got back on it because I just set an iPhone alarm and I said that I'd do three minutes a day. Ah, oh, recently I've been saying that, oh, it's gotta, it's gotta be half an hour a day. I get it. So it's gotta be just, all I've gotta do is discipline myself to just do three minutes and maybe there and then in the daytime, if I wanna do more, I can do. But if I discipline myself three minutes like I did last time, that worked last time, I can try it again. Soon you start to have this collection of these problems that you've went through and ways that you've solved them because a lot of problems you go through are just going to be similar. I learned this from a billionaire named Ray Dalio and he calls this like principles for life. So here's your actionable step. Create your I messed up system right now. Just spend a few minutes really like because you know yourself quite well. What would work for you when you find yourself quite aware and vigilant? Okay, I've slacked recently. I've, you know, I've been missing this thing. I've not been doing this quite well. What would work for you? What questions should you ask? Should you write this on paper? Should you like, you know, ask people about it? Should you journal and write a note? And how could you in the future, when it's likely that you might make the same mistake again, end up having some kind of place you could look back on to have this like collection of knowledge on how to like recover from this rut. Set up this system right now. You don't have to completely copy mine. You know yourself quite well at this point. So you know, okay, I've fallen off on these things. These are the things that I've gotten back onto. How do I consistently set this up so my future self is less likely to experience the same pains that I'm going through today? Step seven, remember why you started. By now, I've taught you all that I know about discipline. I've encapsulated a few years of my life being like hyper-focused on discipline and self-improvement in this guide for you. And the one final message I want to leave you with is one of purpose and direction and, and meaning in life. Remember why you started this, this journey of self-improvement and discipline, who you're doing it for, because it's not just for yourself. Level one thinking is like, yeah, you know, it's myself. I want to, you know, build more muscle and I want to make more money. Usually, the internal desire that we have is actually for other people. And so if you just close your eyes one last time with me, and you do think of like the points that you do want to get to, and other people, their lives are benefiting because of your hard work and your, your dedication and your discipline here. Being able to help other people and contribute to your community and you know, help and retire your family. That's what discipline is all about. This is not only for us, but it's for our future children to not have to experience the pain of poverty. It's for our future wives who we can spoil, even though they don't 
you know, they're not materialistic, but it's like, we'd be able to like, you know, buy them the nice thing that they're, they're surprised by. We'd be able to retire our future wives and our parents and our fathers who have worked so hard and even our distant relatives just because of the fact that they are blood related to us. Really, that's what the material success of, of discipline is. The one major thing that I, that I want for my own like selfish game and everything is I really want to have like positive word of mouth for this full guide and for all of them that I work really hard on. So the greatest gift that you could give me in return for this work that I'm doing here is just when it is relevant in your normal life, mention this full guide to someone. If it becomes like something in your vocabulary, you know, you speak to a friend and you're like, oh, you should watch Hamza's full guide on discipline. You, you end up commenting that somewhere in the internet, you know, oh, watch Hamza's full guide of discipline. That would be my task here. Like that would mean that I've done an awesome job if this video starts spreading organically through word of mouth. Because I make these full guides as part of this movement of young men who want something better out of life, who want to get onto self-improvement and, you know, experience this good, natural, healthy life that we should have in these days, again, with the media and the influencers and, and these evil corporations of porn and everything. Not many of us get to experience the good life. And I've realized that for me, it does seem like maybe my core desire, you know, my core purpose, or maybe one of like the, the purpose layers is to teach and to add to the body of knowledge, like the education of young men. That's something I feel very strongly for. So that's why I do what I do. I just want more guys out there to learn lessons like this. Finally, if you want to continue learning on this topic, it's super normal for a YouTuber to end their videos by trying to get you to watch more of their videos, but I'd rather direct you to the resources that I've learned from. So this entire video has been inspired by the book, Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. He has a list of books which genuinely like have changed my life. Another one is Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. And the one I'm currently reading is Courage is Calling, again, by Ryan Holiday. Really, really good books. The Discipline is Destiny one is super, super interesting, especially if you're somewhat interested in like spirituality and, and like finding out your desire, your purpose in life. That book is very good. I read the entire book, like the whole seven, eight hour book just to make this full guide to be able to teach you better. That book, Discipline is Destiny, is linked in the description if you want to go and read it. I hope this guide serves you well. And I think that this may be the single most well-fitting time for me to say, do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. Mwah! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.